0: I mean, what's the football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brainy. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about this Lincoln Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with this. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube. It is time to preview week eight in the NFL. Thanks for having me back.
1: I, I mean, yeah. You're always invited back to your own show. Thank you. No matter how much you abandon it.
0: I just skipped yesterday. Yeah. Just skipped it. Had other work to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't care, but the your fans might.
0: My fans all, might. I all. apologize. I apologize to... Both of you. All, yeah, all six of them. Yeah. Might be upset. Apologize to all the fans that I had to, uh, to miss yesterday, but I'm back, and we got a full slate because, you know, the uh, scheduling algorithm said nobody gets a bye this week, so we don't get a bye. Still don't understand. So that. we have 16 games to preview and only so much time to get through. We also apologize. We had some internet issues here over at PFF, mm-hmm. and uh, we're a little late yeah. on the live YouTube. You ready to go, though? Let's go. All right, let's do it. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. We get the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Buffalo Bills. Bills favored by nine as of right now. Tonight's game, man, what are we looking for in this Bucks Bills matchup? Well, three and three Bucks against the four and three Bills coming off of a loss against the Patriots. Mm-hmm.
1: Multiple uh, banged up Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Vita Vea, a true game time decision, apparently, with a groin
0: injury. With a groin, which is. Groin takes some stress when you're 350. I would imagine. You know? <laughs> I can't,
1: can't relate, but I would imagine it does, yes. Uh, Baker Mayfield banged up as well. And one of his receivers, which one was it? Godwin?
0: Yeah, Godwin had an injury coming out of that game. I think he was practicing yesterday.
1: So. Yeah, both Baker and Godwin are going to play, but they're also, you know, banged up, whereas Envita may or may not play. So multiple, uh, pretty crucial Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least Coming into this game off the back of injuries,
0: yeah, Bucks have lost two in a row after a you know an impressive three and one start. Uh, lost lost to the Lions, lost to the Falcons. Right, they were three and one. Am I getting that right? Um, so the Bucks, you know, their their offense too. Right, remember early in the season it was like, hey, Baker Mayfield's kind of balling out on third down, and they're they're scheming some stuff up. They still can't run the ball. Right, last couple of years the offensive line. Uh, the run game in general just has been it's really made the Bucks one-dimensional as far as having to lean on the pass and when that's hey, look Baker Mayfield's inconsistent it's kind of what it is mm-hmm. you know missed a bunch of throws two weeks ago against the Lions didn't have a great game last week against the Falcons so this offense has um they're just not putting up a ton of points defense is still tough they're really tough in the red zone uh stop the run and you know make like life difficult for opposing quarterbacks i think todd bowles doing a good job on that side of the ball but yeah i think the bucks some of their perceived talent uh, deficiencies that we thought coming into the season have kind of caught up to them these last couple weeks
1: yeah i feel like i mean buffalo has a good defense but i think the weaknesses in that defense are in the right places for this offense to have some kind of success in tampa bay if godwin plays i think that's an important part like It is strangely – it's much weaker now in the middle of the field than it used to be when Matt Milano was out there and, you know, they were at full strength. I think they've – the injuries that they've had have taken a a hammer blow to what is normally the strength of this defense. So if Baker's playing, if Godwin's playing, if they're both healthy, I think Tampa Bay can actually move the ball and and have some joy on that side. And then obviously the other side is all down to,
0: like, what version of Josh Allen are we getting? (laughs) Um, From a a Buffalo Bills standpoint – you know multiple years of them being one of the best teams in the league and we know that even the best teams they're going to have some bad games right bills have always had some some duds here and there but they always seem to come back and say no we're still the bills we're going to drop 30 and beat up on the bad teams and I think I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that I couldn't justify either way but it said it felt like when the bills get these big monster spreads that they usually cover them and I don't know what the exact numbers are but Many times over the last couple of years, they're 8, 9, 10, 14-point favorites. They're 9-point favorites here. But the last two weeks, you have a not-very-good Giants team taking them down to the last play mm-hmm. and a Patriots team that played well but had been playing the worst ball of Bill Belichick's career as head coach, and they took it to the Bills last week. So is this a Bills team that has shown some weaknesses these last couple of weeks, and that's what they are? Or are they that team that we thought was one of the best in the league?
1: Well, I think the defense is now looking like it might be a lot weaker than it was uh, before, like, an injury to Matt Milano, I think, is, is, has been a really big, significant thing for them. You know, they were already dealing with losing Tremaine Edmonds in the offseason. That was kind of fine because you had Milano, who's still one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Then he goes down for the year, and now you're really scratching around trying to find some, some kind of presence for that second level. Um, but the offense, it shouldn't be hitting these kind of funks. Like Josh Allen this year has two game grades of 91 plus, right? Two in the 80s, a 72, a 65, and a 49.6 in that opening game against the Jets. Like he has been all over the map in terms of quality of his performance. And you can kind of see it even reflected in just like yards per attempt, right? Against Miami, 12.8 yards per attempt. That's stupid number nine against the the Jags and then it's been down 5.8 against the Jets 5.6 against the Giants 6.5 against the pa- uh, the Patriots again like the the wild range of outcomes for Josh Allen this season has been crazy when you consider that like, he hasn't been dealing with this crazy fluctuation of uh, supporting cast like it's not like receivers have been in and out of the lineup offensive linemen have been in and out like the Everything around him has been different. Everything he's dealt with a pretty solid constant. It's just
0: him. Yeah, I mean the the one thing that they will have to deal with: Dawson Knox hurt, Dalton Kincaid, the yep. first round rookie, will <coughs> take his place at tight end. But you're right. I mean, you you have Gabe Davis and yeah, of course and Kincaid's Devon been
1: out as there. well with a concussion previously. Like it's right. not like it's been a complete constant. But generally speaking, the important parts have been there and haven't changed that
0: much. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm still buying the bills. You know, I don't. I don't know when to overreact. I mean, you've made the point too. When you a lot of times you break the season into quadrants or whatever, and we're in the second, the end of the second quadrant of the thirds. season. Thirds, you go, you go into thirds. thirds. Okay, we're in the second third mm. of the season, and and it does. You know, things change. Right, the first third of the season, Buff. It the the narrative on Buffalo is like, hey, this might be the best team in the league. Josh Allen threw the ball to the defense a couple times. That's the only reason why they lost. Now they're playing down to their competition a couple times. Is that the injury thing? Is that the league, you know, adjusting to the Bills a little bit? They're not as dominant as they were before. I'm gonna give them another week though to say Buffalo's still a dominant team. They're angry coming off a couple subpar performances. They're angry. And good listen, the good Bills team that you described, the Josh Allen averages twelve yards per attempt against Miami, Mm -hmm. that's always possible. I'm not saying that's the reason that they win here, but Bucks offense is struggling. Bills still have their playmakers and ability to to cover nine points. So I'll take the the Bills, even though that's a huge number. It
1: is. And look, so against they're, a competitive
0: like a, a very competitive Bucks team. All of their games have been pretty close except the Eagles.
1: They've got three big wins, right? They they beat the Raiders handily, they beat Washington handily, and then the real signature game was that game against Miami, which is really their only truly impressive win of this season, where against a good team. They stomped them, won on both sides of the ball, and put up a ton of points. Like, everything was good about Buffalo in that game. But outside of that, I mean, they lost to Jacksonville in London. The other two wins were against teams that aren't nearly as impressive. So even though they won as handily, it's, it just doesn't resonate the same. And they lost to the Jets, lost to the Patriots, and barely crawled over the line against the Giants. Like, we're basically looking at this team who's 4-3 and three and saying they have one impressive win. Wow, that's true. It so, is true. banking on them covering nine at this point just feels rich. I'm going to go for the Bucks.
0: Little 2018 QB class storyline as well. Baker Mayfield, number one overall. We were all in on that. Yeah. Josh Allen goes number seven. The IKEA quarterback. The IKEA <laughs> quarterback. Well, they put it together. They did. They did. They looked. At that's those, why
1: the metaphor worked.
0: They looked at those Swedish you instructions. Can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and took care of it have i have i done my uh ikea rant on the podcast yet no no, no so. we don't have time for that in you seem thing to thing. not in a not in a game no we're to put, a, put not 16 in games that's a
1: wednesday rant we don't
0: have time for that on a monday if or i show a up on a wednesday i don't know right you never know well, Fall's all about back-to-school and back-to-routine checklist, and the most important task on that list, which should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. So get your personalized quote in just minutes, and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online, and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover it in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com pffnfl. That's meatfabric.com pffnfl. m-e-e-t-fabric.com pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Sam, we got the Discord game of the week. How's, this, how's the Discord game of the week work?
1: um in the discord there is a channel that uh people can pick the games Essentially, you just pick who's going to win this given week and uh votes are tallied all the way through the week and then when we put together this document i basically look at which the closest game is going to be now there were a few contenders this week and uh i'm i'm wondering if it's still the same as when i put it in the document i think it is but Basically, it's the closest game, uh, according to the Discord voters. You will find the Discord channel link in the description of this show. So come hang out, come uh, join the conversation, and be part of the, the picking of the games. But the New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts was the closest game of this week in the Discord.
0: Yeah, because it's uh, it's one-point spread here. Yeah. Saints favored by one. Saints coming off of a rough Thursday night loss that they still were in at the end. Um, Saints Jags it last week and then the Colts coming off their heartbreaking loss to the Cleveland Browns Gardner Minshew coming out of that game with a 13 yards per attempt but several turnover worthy plays for the second straight week I mean to me that's the story here Gardner Minshew who I thought you know I think is a good solid backup and (sighs) here's a stat for you Gardner Minshew is leading the league in turnover worthy plays Already? Yes. <clears throat> wow. He's started two games. He's played in six. <laughs> right. He started three games, right? <clears throat> three. Uh, yes, three games. Three starts um, in two extensive relief appearances. He's played in all six, though. Almost all. Oh, sorry, no. Yeah,
1: almost all the turnover-worthy plays. In fact, all of the turnover-worthy plays have come in as three starts.
0: In he three hasn't starts. had a turnover-worthy play in a game he didn't start. So he is 30th in dropbacks. In number one in turnover-worthy plays. That's
1: actually wild. He I'm going to check has his
0: career because he has 15 turnover-worthy plays. I don't think he had that his rookie season. No, he had 19 his rookie season yeah. as a pretty much full-time starter.
1: But his career turnover-worthy play
0: rate is 3.8%. It's at 8% this year. Fifteen of Minshew's 51 career turnover-worthy plays have come this season. In three games. In three games. I, that is um, – so it's kind of a trend right now, but not one that – you should buy into, I need right? to actually
1: run. What is the turnover-worthy play rate just
0: of the started games? Because that's what we're dealing with here. Well, it was 6% in week three, 11% in week six, and 15% last week, it's, Fourteen. percent It's dropbacks, right? Of turnover-worthy... Of dropbacks, uh, yeah, because yeah, you, you have fumbles and sacks gotcha. in there and everything. Oh, this is going to require some math. Yeah. Give me, give me a moment. Well, I think we painted the picture. Gardner Minshew needs to take, get better care of the ball. Um, and, and again, this is what makes football so crazy. Yeah, over ten point seven percent turnover worthy players. Ten point
1: seven percent. So that's right, a bunch right.
0: of fumbles and <sighs> and look, this is what makes football challenging to predict because you would say, well, the Colts put a ton of points on the board last week, despite this, um, and even against the Jags, you know, they put some points on the board. They they kind of got blown out and they made, you know made a bit of a comeback at the end. But um, so I think if Minshew takes care of the ball, he's pretty good at. Throwing it around. like It's kind of like the Sam Howell thing. As long as Sam Howell doesn't get tackled behind the line of scrimmage, called a sack, he can throw it okay. So I think Minshew is unlikely to keep up this ridiculous pace, although the Saints defense does make things challenging.
1: 10.7% is the worst turnover-worthy play rate I've found dating back to 2016, which is when you stopped talking and I had to start yeah. responding myself.
0: You need to get to—you should just go right to John Skelton's page.
1: I don't know what—yeah, well—
0: yeah, let me search John Skelton and see if he had something.
1: But 10.7 is abysmally catastrophic. I mean, Taylor Heineke had the worst turn-of-worthy play rate in the NFL last season at 6-point-something. 10-point-something is absolutely unheard of bad. Um, and not really – I mean, Minshew's always been a little bit on that Jameis Winston spectrum of capable of some Minshew magic, but also some, you know, oh, my God, what was that type of play. He's just been – Plumbing the depths this year of of absolute madness. Even Skelton's worst was 6.7%. There you go. You see? This is what I'm telling you. This is unbelievably terrible.
0: Yeah, it is. Now, on the other hand, the Saints offense, I don't know what. I'm I'm out on predicting their breakout, which will probably happen this week. I mean, last week, it was just – it feels like, the feels, Derek Carr – is checking down to Alvin Kamara or when they go downfield it's a prayer it is ill-timed it is maybe one-on-one coverage but the, the car and the receiver the timing the actual route there is just no consistency there and again for my fifth straight week I will highlight that the Saints have been terrible in the red zone highlighted by Carr being pretty bad in the red zone
1: yeah i think i said this on one of the shows one of the many shows that you didn't show up to but remember when i made some sort of forced metaphor that raiders fans took extremely badly that was sort of like Derek Carr doesn't really know what he's doing you know and uh it feels like he sort of knows that he's supposed to take a deep shot every now and again so he'll take one but it's not like determined by what he's looking at or the coverage or it's just like i am due a deep shot so let's throw it, let's chuck yeah. it up right it was like that james franklin quote just it doesn't matter what the thing <laughs> what i'm looking at just it. we're just chucking it deep today um i i don't know why this happens to Derek carr but i do know that he's done it before like this is multiple occasions with the raiders and now it's happening again with the saints where his play does not seem connected with anything else it's not it's not in tune with what the defense is showing him it's not in tune with what he's working with in terms of supporting casts and receivers it just sort of feels disconnected and random and like you know this idea of was it, Mitchell Schwartz described Russell Wilson once as a quarterback that was like cosplaying as a quarterback you know yeah. and he's sort of doing the things that he knows quarterbacks are supposed to do but somehow it doesn't quite work and it's like, it's obviously fake. It, that feels like what Derek Carr is doing on the field. It's like, I know the things the quarterbacks are supposed to do, right? There's supposed to be some screens in here. There's supposed to be a deep shot every now and again. I'm supposed to target my main guys when, I, when I'm in trouble, but it, it's not, it doesn't, it's not working. It's like, it's abstract and, and sort of divorced from the reality of everything else that's happening on the field. I I don't have an explanation for why it happens, but we seem to get in this loop where Derek Carr ends up back in this spot again, right, after playing well or badly, and then we get stuck in this area where, like, it's not terrible. I mean, you know, Derek Carr's not the worst quarterback in the NFL or anything,
0: but it doesn't make sense what he's doing. That's the mid-tier quarterback, man. I mean, that's what it really is because after you made that statement, Raiders fans were able to attack you because Carr got better. And, and when they got him speed receiver Henry Ruggs, it was like, oh, the deep shots made more sense for a while. So it feels like Carr's in a slump. Maybe it's a multi-year slump. It's a second straight year in a new system. Um, one other stat that kind of highlights what's happening here, Alvin Kamara is 21st in the NFL in receptions. 21st. He missed the first three games. There, we're seven weeks into the season. Kamara missed the first three games of the year. Right. He's 21st in receptions, averaging about 5.5 yards per catch, Because of just, you know, the check downs and it's, it is a, there's a disconnect there with the Saints offense. Um, But there's a lot of potential there. It's just tough to put your finger on where that disconnect
1: is. Very quickly, since you were previously talking, I went through the entire list and I have the previous worst mark for a turnover-worthy play rate over season. I will guarantee you cannot tell me who it is. So Josh Freeman didn't
0: qualify. for that
1: correct and month. the person who did it it's on a reasonably small sample size Andrew so it Luck. isn't
0: technically speaking a full Andrew season. Luck, 2015
1: no though that is I think the second worst remember that speaking of slumps that's seven points of the percent that was
0: inexplicable yes except they claimed he was playing hurt okay right. who is it
1: Kurt Warner has the <gasps> worst turnover worthy play rate over six
0: yes 16 turnover yeah.
1: turnover-worthy plays in 167 dropbacks
0: for a Hall of Fame quarterback, sorry, 184
1: quarterback, dropbacks. Warner had incredible
0: times. bad stretches of play for a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah. and then incredibly high level play as right. well. But that was like
1: that involved. was six games at the ass end of his career. Um, over a full sixteen, no, he 16 played 16 or played three more years after that. Yeah, but that's still the ass end of his career. Anyway, over a sixteen or seventeen game stretch, if Minshew kept up this rate, it
0: would be by far and away the worst turnover-worthy player that we've ever seen. All right, man, we got the Saints favored by one in Indianapolis. Where are you going with this one? Ugh. Yeah, Probably. That's why it's the, the Discord game of the week makes you say, ugh.
1: Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's difficult to pick. Probably the
0: Saints. I'll take Indy. Getting one. Um, Binchu's not going to turn it over at that same rate. No way. You would hope
1: not. Because, as we just pointed out, it is literally unprecedented.
0: That is, the, when you, that is the challenge of doing analysis, right? You know, there's this story, which is Binchu's putting the ball in harm's way, but the data would say, well, there's no way that could continue
1: well there's also i mean there's the understanding that something is literally a historical outlier and therefore must regress it doesn't mean it's going to happen now no i know <laughs> it but it, can, yeah it can keep going for a while before right. it regresses i mean the minnesota vikings are experiencing one score game regression this year but it didn't happen last year they won 11 of them
0: yeah but you still call for it every single week yeah
1: but every week you're like this can't keep going
0: at some point it will run out I should have highlighted this earlier during the Bills game, but we got we have your Prize Picks picks for tonight. Here's what we're doing: podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, we have our own PFF lineup for tonight. The PFF Prize Picks lineup for tonight. We get Josh Allen less than a half interception, so that's you know rooting for zero there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Josh Allen more than two and a half touchdowns. That's passing plus rushing plus receiving. So. If you have a little James Cook throwback to Josh Allen, that counts. So oh, uh, more than two and a half for Josh Allen. More than two and a half touchdowns, less than the half interception. That's what we're rooting for tonight in Bucks Bills. Uh, prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. Watch your progress update in real time. Win up to 25 times your entry amount and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. At PrizePix, you're not competing against anyone else. It's just you against the projections. PrizePix entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. You can even pick in-game projections after a game has started, which includes halves, quarters, periods, and more. So go to prizepickscom slash And use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, man. The other game of the week, I would say, Cincinnati Bengals at the San Francisco 49ers. A little Super Bowl rematch from 82 and 88. Bengals-Niners. I love an afternoon game in San Francisco. You know, West Coast game. Uh, Three and a half is the line. The the Niners are favored as of right now. Just got word yesterday, though. Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. And as Adam Schefter highlights, zero players have been in concussion protocol this season and played. I Mm. believe the only player last year. In the same week. In the same week. Concussion protocol this week and still played on Sunday. The only player last year who did it was Kenny Pickett. And, of course, we know he's one of the all-time great healers. <laughs> so, of course, Brock um, Purdy might be everybody knows this. Um, and, and so, when this happens, I don't know, I, I don't know how concussions work that well. Other than, like, did he just start showing symptoms yesterday on a Tuesday? Yeah, because um, that's when it started, and you have a lot of steps to go through. So, when it starts on a Tuesday, it feels like that's he's pretty much out this week, and we're looking at Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah, I can't believe you didn't throw in the old it's Joe Montana versus Boomer Esiason
0: or whoever the- I know I could have done that. Yeah. yeah. Montana Boomer. Yeah. Was it Ken Anderson in 82? Was it Ken back then? Yeah. Cuz yeah. cuz he was the ass in, He was NFL MVP one of those years. Yeah. The
1: tail like the the end of his career.
0: He he had a I think the year Ken Anderson Ken and Anderson, him are buddies, you would know. And I me mean, Ken and I we didn't we did, we did some work together. <laughs> did some work together a few years ago. <laughs> Never saw the light of day. No. (laughs) But we did break down some QBs together. Uh Yeah. I think Ken Anderson's MVP season, his first game, he went something like one for nine and then won MVP that year. So you talk about week one overreactions. Right. You know, and then he wins MVP. Um, Anyway, Chris can fact check us on all of this stuff if he's still listening. But anyway, yeah, Bengals, Niners. Purdy might not be playing. Niners favored by three and a half as of right now.
1: Yeah which means Sam Darnold time. The, the, the dream AB analysis that everybody's been praying for, we get to see what Sam Darnold looks like within this Kyle Shanahan offense. And the projection, like the idea that everyone's always had is it's probably going to look quite good yeah. for two reasons. Number one, the offense, as we know, is kind of a cheat code. And number two, Darnold, for the first three weeks anywhere, looks fine. <laughs> it's after that that the
0: wheels fall off. I have the stats over the last two years using QB record. Right. In in his first three starts of the season last year, it started in week twelve. In Darnold's first three starts, he's five and one li- over the last two years using QB records. Using QB records.
1: I don't know if you listened. The stats matched up. You didn't listen to the shows these week this week when you weren't. I was, on. I was.
0: I was. I was unable to because I was
1: working. But myself and Trev, we have now moved beyond not just QB wins, but wins. We are now in a post oh, really? a post win society. Wins don't matter. Wins don't matter anymore. Nice. We have we have adjusted. The outcome To just the better team Right So it doesn't matter Who wins or loses The score is irrelevant Who's the better team So who was better By whatever your Applied metrics are So I don't care about Your QB wins I don't even care about Your wins This is just Who was better Okay
0: I'll still finish the stat Though because it's fun Okay
1: Five and one Is what you're saying Five
0: and one In his first three games Over the last two years I think it's uh, Three and nine Or three and eight Otherwise Yeah I mean In so- all other games And and it's The st- the stats match that as well. Yeah. The I mean, performance look, kind of matches that as well. Yeah.
1: I'm 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 excited to see it just because I think it's a fascinating data point, right? It doesn't necessarily mean anything, it won't be conclusive. It's a one game sample size whatever, but I am very intrigued to see Sam Darnold within this offense. I also think you know, not using this as a, as a an opportunity to dunk on Brock Purdy because I still think he's a great fit for this offense and a fascinating combination. It is however objectively funny that the Vegas line basically isn't moving when he's not in the lineup. We know that if, you know, Mahomes or Josh Allen or whoever is not in the lineup, the line is going to swing like 7 points. I don't think
0: that's the actual when number though. Seven points? I mean, that's, that's what, what
1: it moved, right? When Aaron Rodgers went down, it moved seven points. I don't think it was that much. I, I mean, think it
0: was. We have these estimates on PFF.com. We have Mahomes at 7.5 and, and Josh Allen at 6.5. We, I think there was we an have A-B. Purdy at
1: 2.5. I think there was an A-B move within... Within Aaron Rodgers, like the You're last kidding. year, where the, we literally watched the line move seven points. When the, you...
0: the problem with a lot of those, though, is the quality of the backup. The perceived quality of sure. the backup does yeah. matter. It's right. not in a vacuum. Anyway, we our numbers have in a vacuum. Purdy's worth two and a half. Yes. The point being, to like a Mahomes, seven and a half.
1: These other guys, you know, the the elite quarterbacks: Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. The guys that we know are the offense. It's going to move like seven points when they're not playing. Brock Purdy is not playing and the line looks like it might be moving a point. That's just not it's just that's funny. It's objectively funny. Whether or not you think Brock Purdy is the next Tom Brady, whether or not you think he's a bum, it's funny. That's just let's put it out there and let's all agree that that is quite a funny data point. Let's all have a chuckle. Yeah. Haha. Ha. Now that we've had our chuckle, we can get back to the game. Some
0: game analysis here. Yeah. I mean it's you a know, shame. You know that these videos they get they get chopped up. Yeah. Right? And and somewhere, someone tuned in to Bengals 49ers preview. Uh Half of those people are probably 49ers fans. Right. And they didn't share your chuckle.
1: Well, they have to appreciate that that's funny, whether or not you think Brock Purdy's great. I do think it's unfortunate that we're not going to get to see how he bounces back from that kind of
0: game. My my analysis coming out of the Monday night game, of course, Purdy, uh, two interceptions in the fourth quarter in comeback attempts. And I was like, this is kind of the same game he's played all year. The difference is the interceptions became interceptions. The bad passes got caught, and they happened to be in the fourth quarter in comeback attempts.
1: Yeah, and to be consistent, you know, I've said this for a couple of quarterbacks this season, but outside of the terrible mistakes, he didn't play badly. Like, this wasn't a walking disaster game. Like, Brock Purdy in that game was significantly better than Josh Allen in the first game against the Jets. So it was just that when he made a mistake— It was a catastrophic mistake, and at some point when you make more than one of those, the game is bad, no matter how well you played in between them.
0: So my my other uh, big question here, though, is the Bengals coming off a bye. Joe Burrow starting to look healthier and healthier. I'm still of the mind that this Bengals offense is going to look good and explosive like they did the last couple years. If you're sitting there breaking the season into thirds or whatever you want to do, are we ready to forget the first third? of Cincinnati, where every underlying metric, do we give them a pass? Every underlying metric is like, this team can't create explosive plays. They, they can't do anything and just chalk it up to it's Burroughs calf. And, you know, T. Higgins doesn't look right. And they're feeding Jamar Chase, you know, extra just to do something offensively. And he's special so he can make it work. Are we going to see the 2021 and 22 Bengals offense that went to the AFC championship? I feel like it's going to be there at some point. And the question is when yeah um and the Niners defense is coming off of getting absolutely gashed absolutely gashed by a Justin Jefferson less Minnesota Vikings team mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins balled out but the Vikings offense generally middle of the field man they were attacking the middle of the field where you could say best linebacker Fred Warner great safeties like the, the Niners have players and Minnesota was attacking schematically the middle of that Niners defense and exploiting them for a game. So there's a lot to like in this matchup here this week.
1: Yeah, and, and this is it's a massively high-leverage <laughs> game for the Bengals. I mean, we said this on yesterday's show. When you look at what's at stake for them in terms of their playoff chances and the schedule that they have upcoming, uh, this is a really important game for them. And, okay, the 49ers have stumbled, you know, a couple of losses that they weren't expected to take but it's still a step up in competition from what the Bengals have beaten on their little mini-revival, right? They've won three of the last four, those games have come against the Rams, um, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks, right? The, the loss was at Tennessee. Um, like, none of the, those teams have the kind of defense that the 49ers can bring to the table to test this Joe Burrow healthy new offense slash return to the old offense. Like, does that still hold true? going against the 49ers.
0: So it's a great matchup. Both teams were, have been in their conference championship game each of the last two years. Uh, both teams lost in the conference championship last year. We were robbed of the Super Bowl rematch mm-hmm. the last couple seasons. Um, so Niners, as of right now, favored by 3.5. Where are you going with this one?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the 49ers, I think. I have concerns about whether this Bengals revival still continues against a much better team a much better defense
0: oh, i'm going to take the bengals i'm going to take a little recency bias the niners getting gashed um i'm going against the sam darnold first game first three games trend here um give me the bengals to cover as underdogs here um our records we do need to update i'll, I'll, I'll update them next week for everybody but last week <laughs> was, was coming a, off a better week last week was a throwback for me three wins three and whatever um you only had five Mm. Uh, harry had seven last week now harry there's sometimes sometimes we don't get the picks in in time and we're like halfway through the one o'clock games and i'm like harry what would you have picked Mm. and sometimes he tells the truth he's like daddy i would have taken the lions as they're getting whooped yeah and then other times he's sly he's like hmm i'll take the giants giants are looking good i mean i'll take the Giants. i would have taken the giants you know so he's so maybe harry cheated a little bit but he whooped us last week so uh <laughs> that's not great it's not great yeah. at all uh harry's eight by the way for those mm. just tuning in so we'll get you our pick updates next week i'll tell you this i'm not nearly as bad as last year i might have more wins which week we'll have a poll which week do i match last year's win total probably be by week 13 or 14 i think we'll get there all right let's go through the rest of the games houston texans At the Carolina Panthers, Texans favored by three. It is a matchup of the top two quarterbacks in the draft last year. Gotta love those CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. You and I did a little breakdown with uh, Rick Spielman this week, that'll be out, talking Mm -hmm. about the Panthers and where they can go. And, you know, you're not an overreact guy.
1: How many times, here's one for you, Elias. How many times is number one versus number two played during a rookie season? I only remember Mariota versus Winston opening week Jameis or uh, ryan leaf and manning did it
0: too in 98 did they leaf won i mean every not everything coming out of 98 pointed toward leaf but leaf started 2-0 and right manning started 0-2 right are you saying the leaf also beat manning head-to-head yes um manning led the league in interceptions mm-hmm. now that wasn't i hate when that stat is cited because Peyton Manning was good as a rookie. Right. I don't care about the stat. He was good as a rookie. He just also happened to throw a ton of picks. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that year where it's like, did the Colts get it? Like, after two weeks, did the Colts get it wrong? Ryan Leaf looking good. I think it might have been, like, it was right at the start as well. It might have been, like, week two where they played. Maybe. But, I mean, the, the wheels kind of fell off at one point. Uh, no, it was week five. So week five. So Ryan Leaf started 2-0. And beat Peyton head-to-head, yes. head, right? And then the wheels kind of fell off. Yeah. Well, the wheel, no, so the wheels had fallen off. Week three was a disaster. For yes. Week, wasn't it? So week
1: three was the week where he had a complete and total train wreck against the Kansas City Chiefs, had one of the worst like box score performances ever, and that was when he ripped into the reporter and his career was sort of spiraling from that point on. Yeah, he went uh, one for 15 for four yards. Oh, with yeah. two interceptions in that game. Wow. And that's when he tore into the reporter and did the fake apology thing. Uh, so his career was already, like, on the skids at that point. But he still
0: beat Peyton Manning. Yes, but by? three
1: weeks later, he did beat Peyton Manning. Uh, no, he did. What? Why is this? To the Colts win. According to this box score, why am I, was I convinced that the oh, wow. opposite
0: was true? This entire thing has been wrong. Maybe the chat corrected you first. Did no, I'm it? looking through old box scores Walt was like 50 at that time he remembers yeah
1: um huh I, wish I was you didn't. like a million percent convinced that the Chargers won that game oh no. well you were wrong yeah
0: I, all I know is they started 2-0 and then they, that things fell off um, I wish you didn't bring all that mis- misinformation to the. no game.
1: I mean that would have been that would have been a bad tangent to have even if it was true but it turns out now that it's false it's just a total waste of everybody's time for three minutes
0: I will throw back to the Mariota Winston game though they played week one And Marcus Mariota threw four touchdowns. They were all like wide open in the flat. Right. And people were like, this is it, Mariota. Look how much better he is than Jameis Winston. And then they both ended up probably ranking it around the same. When you were ranking quarterbacks over the next four or five years, Mariota and Winston were attached at the hip in QB rankings, right? They did it differently, but they were pretty close mid tier type of quarterbacks with completely different styles. So, as always, let's not overreact. Mm. To everything, but early returns on C.J. Stroud much more positive than what we're seeing from Bryce Young. I also think, you know, the situations are different. Yeah. So Tank uh, Dell
1: probably coming back this week. That's important yeah. for Houston. Um, you got that connection with Nico Collins is working really well when Tank Dell's there as well. That's an extra dimension as a deep threat. Um, Not
0: every quarterback is blessed with a former PFF analyst as his play caller. That's true, right? Not that's everybody true. gets that. I mean, if I was calling plays for Bryce Young, maybe things are different. Maybe. I'm just saying there's evidence there. Yeah. You take somebody who graded PFF games, make him offensive coordinator, you get the best rookie quarterback performance. Mm. That's how you do analytics, right?
1: Some people, maybe.
0: Anyway, you know, as we've said before, I think Stroud's playing well. Just very impressed with what Houston's done with their offensive line. It it should have been a disaster, right? We build stories off this type of stuff. All the Texans are missing three, four starters. Everybody's hurt. They're shuffling the offensive line. Of course, they're bad, and they've been one of the best pass protecting offensive lines in the league. Coinciding with Stroud unlocking Nico Collins and uh, you know Tank Dell coming back, as you said, all of a sudden the Texans have an intriguing group of playmakers. And uh, it's a fun offense to watch.
1: No, it is. I mean, the Texans look like a pretty good team at this point. They do. Um, they've got a lot of solid performances. Every The offense in particular has been pretty good. Um, the areas that maybe didn't look great on paper look way better when everything else is functioning, right? The offensive line has been pretty good. Obviously, C.J. Stroud has been good so far. Um, and the wide receivers have been pretty good so far. Like, Nico Collins looks fantastic. Tank Dell adds something that nobody else in the group brings to the table. And you're even getting like a mini resurgence in play from Robert Woods, who doesn't look completely washed the way he did previously. This is a good offense. Um, And they're not, you know, it is running the scheme that is working the best of any scheme in the NFL right now, that Shanahan coaching tree type of system. So the Texans, I think, are a pretty good looking team, and
0: Carolina isn't so much. Um, Last time we saw Bryce Young, though. Uh, They had talked about kind of playing to his strengths a little bit more. That was back in week six against the Dolphins. His game grades, after week one, it was a 31, but his game grades have gone 57, 62, 56.6, 62. Like, pretty consistent, right? High 50s, low 60s for Bryce Young. There was a little more life early in the game against the Dolphins last week. I thought Bryce Young was throwing uh, to the middle of the field a little bit better. You saw more crossing routes. It did feel like the game plan was tailored to Bryce Young just a touch more. And remember when Justin Fields had that statement earlier in the year, hey, I'm going to play faster. We're going And it, you didn't see it the first week. He looked terrible again against the Chiefs after he said that. But then two weeks later, it looked better. They're coming off a bye. Is this a bit of a turning point game for Bryce Young? I know the situation's not great. It doesn't mean the offensive line is all of a sudden going to be better and Adam Thielen's going to turn back the clock and become quicker. But he's been a good possession guy maybe things get a little better for Bryce Young here coming out of the bye
1: maybe i mean we've gone from averaging like 150 yards a game to averaging like 210 you know and that's probably as much as you're going to expect baby steps
0: baby steps baby steps little 5 foot 10 baby steps uh, you said that all i'm saying is take a little step and i can time. i can make that joke as a 5 foot 11 person you can i can't make that joke god, god no borderline 610 over here all right man i want
1: houston i think they're significantly better and three points even on the road I, I feel like they've
0: got it oh i'll take houston for bobby i'm gonna start betting on houston for now bobby doing it for bobby something about carolina this week though yeah they are gonna play better it wouldn't be easy they to prac- play much worse they practice things in the bye yeah it'd be better they practice some things in the bye yeah yeah, I'll take Houston to cover the Panthers. Somebody said I didn't. I wasn't clear in my Lions Ravens pick last week. It was obviously the Ravens. I picked the Ravens last week. Hmm. It was Detroit. It was Detroit, though. Just so you know. All right, let's go uh, Minnesota Vikings after Green Bay Packers. Uh, Vikings favored by one here in Green Bay. Two teams kind of going in different directions here.
1: Yeah, the resurgent Minnesota Vikings.
0: Three and four in one score games now. They only play one-score game.
1: Heading right back to the mean.
0: They are. Um, Coming off a really good Monday night win. Look, it was impressive. Look, uh, Cousins got away with that one pass before the half that turned into a 60-yard touchdown. Um, That was certainly lucky. Beyond that, though, like I said earlier, I mean, they attacked the middle of the field like crazy. Um, Cousins made a ton of plays under pressure, in tight pockets, even broke free from a sack in the fourth quarter, making big plays. Uh, Cousins in the passing attack looked, Attack looked great, and their defense has also. They've taken baby steps of their own (laughs) since since starting slow.
1: Yeah, and I think it was also important that they didn't go away from Jordan Addison after that initial that early interception Um, because that was bad from Addison. I mean, he got beaten start to finish on that play. He got owned at the at the line, got jammed, and then couldn't fight his way through the contact and get in front of his DB, which kind of hung his quarterback out to dry. Now, you can make the point that Cousins needs to see that and not throw the ball, but a lot of times quarterbacks basically throw the slant with full trust on the receiver. And the worst thing the receiver can do is violate that trust by not at least getting in front of the guy and making sure that it's not dangerous. It's just bad, right? Addison didn't do that. The ball gets picked off. It's like the worst thing he can do on that play. And instead of going well, I, I can't have trust in Jordan Addison anymore. I got to go, you know, it's time to feed, <laughs> feed K.J. Osborne. He wouldn't have screwed me. Yeah, He goes back to him and he keeps feeding him, and actually Addison ends up bailing him out and making a huge play for that touchdown. But the important part is, like, he's clearly the best receiver they have at this point. Like, K.J. Osborne is limited. He stays in the role that K.J. Osborne has. Addison is the guy they need to lean on now. Within a, in a post-Justin Jefferson world until he comes back. So I think it was a really important part of that game that they kept going back to Jordan Addison and sort of made sure to lean on effectively their best playmaker.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the type of play when you're scouting. You, know, you write down, oh, can't, can't beat press. Right. You know, he can be out physical, And then all of a sudden, you know, again, before the half, the ball should have been picked off. By the same guy, Travarius Ward, who's a very physical corner with yeah. length, and, and Addison wins at the catch point. That was that was impressive because that's not supposed to be Addison's game at all. He is a good route runner, and you know when he does get off press, he's, he can get open. So um, the Vikings having some answers without Justin Jefferson, I think, is is impressive. Um, and then on the other side, you've got uh, Jordan Love, and you know, again, when you're facing the Vikings, you're going to face a lot of blitzes. And you're facing a you have a Packers offense that just the same thing we described with the Saints. The offense is just off. You've got the young playmakers, Jordan Love in his first year as a starter. He's not playing great, but you're not getting a lot of help. They're they're very out of sync. And the one thing you need to be against a blitz-heavy team is in sync and on the same page. And you know there was remember there was plays last year where Christian Watson just. Didn't know he was the hot receiver. Didn't run the right route. And when, Aaron, when it's with Aaron Rodgers, it's like, well, of course. Watson's wrong. He doesn't trust him. And every, but, like, you still, it's the same thing no matter who the QB is. As much as I love deep speed and Christian Watson, you've got to know when you're the hot receiver and you're just supposed to turn around and catch the ball. Those are the types of things the Packers need to do a better job of offensively. So they're going to be challenged this week by Minnesota.
1: Be interesting to see what game plan the Vikings defense deploys. I mean, we know they're going to blitz, but you know, they've run different personnel packages depending on the offense they're facing. Um going up against Jordan Love, what is that going to look like? The other element is Jordan Love's been pretty good against the blitz this year. Um but where I think this Vikings defense is really difficult to deal with for quarterbacks is it's unusual and they are showing Team, something that they don't see every single week. And I think that's where Brock Purdy ran into trouble, right? Is that the, the, the real problem with the Shanahan offense is not when it sort of runs out of answers and everybody's covered and the quarterback has got to ad lib and make something happen that isn't there because Brock Purdy's shown he can do that. And that's why they're such a great uh, match. The real problem is when you anticipate a rule from the defense and it's different. And the defense is just doing something you're not expecting it to, because then suddenly you have throws like Brock Purdy had where he's throwing it to a spot, not because he doesn't see a guy, but because he expects that guy to not be there by the time the ball arrives. Right. He's anticipating that safety, having a different responsibility or role or assignment on that play and putting the ball in the air. And they've just got it wrong. They've got the rules for that defense wrong because at the moment nobody knows what the hell the rules for that defense are. It seems to be insane. So Jordan Love is is in a similar situation of a lot of his mistakes are misreading coverages and not necessarily anticipating defenders being in, in, in a certain spot at the right time. That gets exponentially harder going up against the Vikings in their three safety, one middle linebacker type of deployment. And trying to figure out where the hell each one of those safeties is going to be in any given play.
0: Yes. That'll be a, a great matchup to watch. The one other matchup I want to highlight is the Vikings. You were surprised by the Vikings' offensive line grading so well. Number one, run-blocking team. That includes everybody. Number three, pass-blocking team by grade. Um, <clears throat> some of the continuity up front for the Vikings, perhaps paying off here. You have Rashawn Gary on the other end looking at a <clears throat> historic level win rate so I think that whole matchup even though Cousins was outstanding under pressure the other day you got to get pressure on him try to force some mistakes Darnell Savage has been put on injured reserve for the Packers I don't know we're going to see some uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. maybe he had four snaps the other day Remember the seventh rounder that Chris loved mm-hmm. during draft season? Um, um, so the Packers have uh, have some things to figure out. They're going to need guys like Rashawn Gary to continue to play at the level he's played at. Yeah, um, Gary's
1: Gary's been as good as any edge rusher in the NFL, albeit on a smaller sample size because they've been easing him back from injury, which probably helps you perform at that kind of level, right? Like I suspect if most elite pass rushers had their workload scaled back by 50%, they would all play slightly better just because you're not wasting energy on, on certain plays where you're not able to have an impact. Unfortunately, we don't get to see Gary versus Darasaw, which I think would be an amazing one-on-one matchup. Darasaw's... Is he definitely out? No, no, no. It's not that. It's that oh, he just the other, the other side of the oh, line. An injury, but we are going to get to see Gary versus Brian O'Neill, yeah. which is you know, a pretty good matchup in and of itself, but one that I would say does favor
0: Gary a bit. Did you guys, uh, on the review show, did you touch on the TJ Hawkinson injury faking thing? the No. Okay, that was a... Joe Buck, like, just misspoke and then corrected it, and some people ran with it. That was stupid. Yeah. Did you see all that? I saw uh, that, yeah, they were... They basically accused him of
1: telling him to fake it. He's like, we injury. just
0: caught Kevin O'Connell. Right. You didn't catch anything.
1: I mean, Did- Joe Buck does have a tendency to get quite out of... What is it? What's the term? Out of pocket when it comes to describing Vikings games randomly. Like, he was True. the guy on the call for Randy Moss mooning the crowd back in 04 that effectively got Moss ran out of Minnesota
0: it's like okay you can probably dial it back a little bit there Joe I did my best to try to add context everybody's like what the Vikings are cheating like no the guy that's hurt they wanted him to you know be hurt and not play hurt
1: go down and be hurt so that they can get a substitution
0: on rather than having to rush it all right where are you going with this one it's Minnesota favored by one in Green Bay
1: yeah um if I, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they're in better shape right now. And the Vikings are in sort of the opposite w- direction. Like Cincinnati kind of need a win because if they don't get one, their schedule is brutal for a while, and wins might be hard to come by. If the Vikings can get a win here, their schedule is, a, is like a cakewalk for a while. They could actually propel themselves right back into playoff contention quickly.
0: Yeah, I, told, I, was, I was higher on Minnesota coming into the season than I thought I would be. And then, you know, they start 0-3, and it's like, well— feel like an idiot (laughs) but here they are and look Kirk Cousins deserves credit multiple he's continuing to produce despite when he has offensive line issues he still produces Mm -hmm. when he has Justin Jefferson out he's still producing so give Kirk everybody's saying his flowers now I don't like that Give this guy his flag. Everybody says this now every day. Just give him credit.
1: I was thinking this morning on the way in listening to a podcast that used that term, and they didn't even, they used it in a slightly different way than people normally use it, but it it sort of hit home how quickly that term has just hit the vernacular and been adopted. It's like the last
0: two months. Right. Basically. It's
1: like we all just in the space of a few weeks decided that that was a great, uh, idiom to use
0: in the English language, and now we're all run, running with it. Even the NFL bots are using it, I'm and they kidding. don't even have opinions; they just report on stuff. They're still using it. I'm kind of with you. I, I kind of hate it. I'm over it.
1: <laughs> Give
0: Kirk Cousins credit. It's though. not even that I'm over credit. it.
1: I just don't like it as a as an idiom. I just you used it
0: once. You've retired know, it though. You're done. You're
1: out. I I never used it. I caved to peer pressure, and I was like, everyone's using this. Yeah. I should jump on the bandwagon. You're out. And I'm like, it's I'm just up. a crappy
0: term. I yeah. don't like it. I expect all of our listeners to also be out.
1: Anti-flower brigade
0: over here. Yeah. So uh, I'll take Minnesota as well to cover the one. Nice. Yeah. Is that what we're looking at here? All right. Let's go uh, Minnesota. No, just did Minnesota. You did. Miami Dolphins hosting the New England Patriots in a rematch of week two. Dolphins are favored by nine and a half. Dolphins coming off their Sunday night loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, the Patriots coming off their second win of the season – against the buffalo bills the man in vegas though still thinks miami's a much better team
1: yeah apparently there's a few games this week where the man in vegas evidently is not moved by the previous week's games you know they're not that is good they're not changing
0: that has to be tough right i mean i know it's it's not just a man in vegas right Hmm. but not like the humans humans have to you know we got emotions and all that stuff like what did we just see or even
1: i mean the statistical models, like whatever the math is getting plugged into this. I mean, you would imagine that one giant, uh, sort of earth shattering performance relative to the previous baseline would actually move things quite significantly. But apparently, they're,
0: power, they're robust know, enough to not be swayed by one game. We know from a modeling standpoint, recent, it's not recency bias, but the most recent thing you saw should be weighed higher. Right. The question is always how much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if this was week two again, And we only had one game of data, and the Patriots were one and zero, beating the Bills, and the Dolphins were zero and one, losing to the Eagles. How would that? You know, the line would be three, right? It would be completely different. But we have way more information here. We also have New England was at home last week, Miami was on the road, outdoors, in an almost northeast city, (laughs) in Philadelphia.
1: Mildly offensive fall. Philadelphia weather, yes, completely. Derailed we know that that
0: stuff has the dolphins a factor. juggernaut. So Miami, you know, they average like 900 points a game at home against New England. Even the best New England Patriots teams always struggled in Miami. Plus, Miami, what's to a five and and0 oh against Bill Belichick? The you know Patriots can't beat the Dolphins. Mm. But we said the same thing last week: Patriots can't beat Josh Allen and the Bills unless they're 60 mile an hour winds. So, all that to say, did the Patriots turn a corner? They played like the team we kind of thought they'd be this year, more competitive. Yeah, I mean,
1: like the big thing from that game, I think from a Patriots perspective, okay, they slowed down Buffalo to a pretty decent degree, but honestly, it was like Mac Jones just didn't melt down for the first time in a few weeks. Like this was the Mac Jones that we were supposed to get, right, which is you know, generally reasonably good. Not amazing, but it just didn't implode.
0: I mean— the offensive line was back intact. It was the yes. best and pass blocking game. That's probably a pretty significant factor. Yes, um, and and now Miami's really banged up. Tyree Kill just showed up on the injury report with a hip injury. Um, did he come out the other day? I mean, every time he runs, like it feels like, uh oh, he runs so fast. Is well, everything he keeps getting
1: IVs the, like during the games. So, yeah. Like that doesn't feel like a sustainable practice. To just you know,
0: but a hip injury for Tyree Kill. Um, so he's officially questionable. Jalen Waddle been dealing with a back injury. It sounds like he's going to go. Um, and then Javon Holland at safety in concussion protocol. Remember he collided with David Long mm. on crossing routes. They ran a mesh concept, and the two Dolphins ran into each other. Holland comes out of that with the concussion. So we have some injuries. And he was another one I think
1: that reported it. Like it didn't come. It didn't resurface until I think Monday was when he went into the protocol, rather yeah. than you know he he came back into the game
0: right. Yep. Um, Now, New England's dealt with a ton of injuries throughout their season as well. They have, like, 10 players listed as questionable. I have no idea how to unpack that whole thing. Um, But the other other part of this was back in week two, remember, in in that game, Sunday night football, New England had that play, that fourth down play late through to, what, Hunter Henry tries to lateral it. I mean, New England was driving for a game-winning drive opportunity against this Dolphins team. They held them to just 24 points outdoors New England and you know uh, Christian Gonzalez who was still playing at the time picks off to covered Tyreek Hill pretty well like New England played tough in that first game against Miami
1: yeah no they did I mean it was only what a seven point game um, the first time so there's there's reasons to believe that this will be a closer game you've also got the data point that if you look at Miami's offensive output as insane as it is, it's a lot less insane versus, you know, competent defenses this year. (laughs) That's a a relevant factor as well. They, you know, the Patriots are a pretty good defense. Um, Buffalo is obviously was a pretty good defense before their injuries and still are pretty decent. That held them and then Philadelphia, like the, the three best defenses they played have had the most success and limited them to at least human levels of production. So, I think there is definitely reason to think that this will be a like a sub thirty point output by the Miami offense. At which point, New England has a target that's at least reachable.
0: Yeah, especially depending on the injuries. So, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a a good competitive game. Um, New England's defense has generally done pretty well against Miami. The you know they just haven't been able to really score enough against Miami's defense. Miami having Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. Who knows if. I don't know if the Patriots' offensive line will hold up as well this week as they did last week. So I think 9.5 is just rich, though. I like the Dolphins probably to win, but 9.5 feels like a lot.
1: Yep, it's so a lot
0: of points. Give me the Patriots to cover. But, yeah, it's a challenge for them winning, uh, winning in Miami. If New England does pull it off, though, you know, this was supposed to – like they were looking 1-8 and eight in the mouth here. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden maybe they're – kind of getting back on track as well. I mean, this
1: is the crazy thing about, you know, projecting sort of forward how teams are going to do relative to their schedule, right? It's like you look at New England's schedule and you're like, oh, they need a win against the the Raiders because the next two games are Buffalo and Miami and they may end up losing to the Raiders and beating both Buffalo and Miami. You're like, this none of that makes any sense.
0: Well, today we're brought to you by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and new and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without a mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to Manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. So, you know, I like something like the Handyman, you know, little stubble. You making a face at me? I'm just, have you used, when have you shaved? I Once a week, I shave. <laughs> once That's week. all I need because I like the stubble look, and the Handyman is perfect for that. Okay. The, uh, the beard trimmer probably do the, do a number on that as well. I we'll talk about that. Plus the whole face over with the beard trimmer. We'll talk about that in a minute. It may be spooky season, but you don't want to scare people with a scraggly beard, but give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. And then are you tired of that bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie? With the Handyman skin safe technology, you reduce those nicks and cuts, and you can finally feel confident. When going for that close shave for wet or dry use feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere the compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool for on the go and being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless now this is for you sam for the Wolfmen with mm-hmm. a little bit more scruff manscapes beard hedger pro kit has everything you need to tame your mane this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more drawers full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs. That's right. Halloween costumes may take effort, but beard grooming does not need to when you can get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Beard Hedger. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charger, and strong motor. It's like a pass rusher. Strong motor. Hmm. What? The Stop. Kyle Van Bosch of facial uh, trimmers. Yeah, exactly. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered it. Get 20% off and free shipping. With the code PFF at manscapes.com, That's 20% off free shipping at manscapes.com. Use the code PFF for a look as sweet as candy. Get yourself the handyman this Halloween from Manscaped.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice
0: Jets are the road team here. We both picked the Patriots, yeah. We both picked the Patriots. Was that not clear? I don't remember us actually doing that, but We both said nowadays, that's a lot of points. Now it's clear. New England to cover the 9.5. Now it's Jets, Giants, and the Jets are favored by three against the Giants. When, you, when they're setting these lines, do they just throw home field advantage out the window?
1: For Jets, Giants?
0: Yeah. I don't know. So when they say jets by so. three that's a real that's like a neutral sight line i would assume, I assume so yeah. right so jets by three against the giants yeah i'm guessing of course the Giants season ticket holders they get their seats
1: i mean i'm guessing whose logo is on the the middle of the field is is not tremendously relevant for who's going to win the game but you're going to have more fans. you're still going to have more giants fans there presumably
0: it, yeah, are you
1: because they have the they get first dibs on the season tickets tickets. Yeah. yeah okay
0: anyway jets by three here against the giants
1: yeah um i mean the jets defense is nasty so the giants offensive line is still a mess tyrod taylor i think has been a better quarterback for the mess than daniel jones has been
0: sounds like tyrod's gonna play again i think so yeah for at least one more week daniel jones will practice again he we practiced Wednesday, but he's he hasn't been cleared for contact, and his workload not increasing.
1: No, um, I w- yeah, it, it sounds like I think definitely they're going to get at least one more week out of Tyrod, uh, and I think he is a better quarterback for the limitations that of this offense currently has, which is a disastrous offensive line, you know, a complete inability to push the ball down the field with Daniel Jones at the quarterback. Like Tyrod can just handle that better than Jones at the moment, given his experience. Um, so it's the right quarterback to have I just still don't know that it's going to work with like that Jets
0: defensive line is mean and the rest of the defense isn't too shabby either that's the that's the matchup I'm looking at there obviously I mean every single week can the Giants offensive line hold up the Jets like to they'll rush the passer extremely well Um, and then on the other side as always have to mention Wink Martindale gonna be aggressive gonna blitz and uh, Zach Wilson needs to handle it Look, Zach Wilson's played, played better. Right? He's, he's, um, uh, you have the Sunday night game against Kansas City, but he's slowly played better. He went from three weeks of looking like no chance, like last year, to playing better, grading in the 60s. And more baby steps. Some baby steps with Zach Wilson. Some baby steps. That's the story of NFL play. Baby steps. This year. Um, and then keep an eye on Dexter Lawrence, the game wrecker. You know, like the the Giants defense playing as well as they did last year and winning all those games and how well Dexter Lawrence played at nose tackle made me – you know, sometimes that happens. It makes you rethink everything. Like, do I need a game-wrecking nose tackle like a Dexter Lawrence who is so tough to find? Yeah,
1: I was going to say, where are you getting –
0: They're tough to find, but but it made me really think, like, would you rather that than a game-wrecking three technique or whatever? That's how good – Dexter Lawrence is and then you know early this year it didn't always show up but there are certain games like the playoff game last year against Minnesota like last week against Washington there are certain games where when you collapse the pocket right in front of the quarterback right over the center with Connor McGovern trying to block him like that can ruin you know eight to ten plays a game that is significant that's what the Jets have to deal with this week with Dexter Lawrence. I
1: mean it is probably worth taking a beat and pointing out that not just Dexter Lawrence is great I mean that's fairly self-evident but What he's doing, given where they play him, is... I mean, it's not unprecedented, but it's very, very unusual. Like, every single elite, pass-rushing, disruptive, defensive tackle you can think of plays primarily as, like, a three-tech, right? He plays over the guards and shoots gaps and gets into the backfield that way. Lawrence doesn't. Lawrence spends most of his time lined up as a nose tackle over the center, and... Those guys, generally speaking, do not disrupt the quarterback that much. And when you start thinking about, you know, go back over the last 10, 15 years, how many of those players can you think of that were real pass-rushing presences There were a couple of years where Kenny Clark did that really well and then he fell off as like a run defender and they've kind of kicked him out to a three-tech type of alignment anyway? Haloti Nada, maybe? Marcel Darius had a couple of years. For a brief period, yeah, but like there hasn't been a lot of those guys that have done it for any extended period of time. Even when you look at like Avita Vea, who that's what he should be doing, given the the size and like that's his profile. Number one, he doesn't. Half his time is spent lined up as like a regular three-tech defensive tackle anyway. And number two, he doesn't do it nearly as consistently as Dexter Lawrence does. Like, Haloti Nada might be the last guy where you go back to that and say... I mean, again, he moved around that line a lot as well, but they were running a very different type of defense. But he had that kind of consistent skill set to line up, head up over right in the middle and still wreck shop uh, as a pass rushing disruptive force. I just think it's worth pointing out, like this is not just a guy playing extremely well and just another defensive tackle. This is somebody who does not have a comp currently in the NFL. Nobody is doing what he is doing from that kind of alignment.
0: Yeah, so we just wanted to give him his uh, top it credit. Yeah, credit for Dexter Lawrence. Um, so yeah, I think I think both pass rushes are going to be pretty significant in this game. You mentioned the other day Tyrod Taylor's ability to unlock it, Jalen Hyatt, and create some big plays. You know, it's going to be tough against these Jets corners, but right. that's what the it's what the Giants need to do. And you know, the Giants are are one and one. With Tyrod. It's worth taking
1: the shot. Like the part of the problem with the Daniel Jones, Jalen Hyatt thing is he just wasn't taking a swing. You know, he wasn't threatening that as an option for a defense. So at which point, if you don't have to respect it, it doesn't factor in. It doesn't change anything that's happening. Tyrod is at least going to take a few shots. And okay, maybe you can maybe you can pick him off, right? Maybe you can punish him for those shots. But the fact that you have to respect that threat from Jalen Hyatt when Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback is relevant
0: all right man Jets by three in this game I feel like the Jets are good for that I kind of do too Um, Giants have been far more competitive the last couple weeks still only scored 23 points Hmm. each of the last two weeks and the Jets um, I didn't update it but if you look at Josh uh, at one point so I know this is true Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes and at least one other quarterback, their, three, their worst grades of the season came against the Jets. Yeah. Hertz didn't have his worst grade of the season because he had some fluky bad plays in there. But he still ended up with three picks against this Jets defense. So I'm, I'm buying into this defense as well.
1: Tyra Taylor
0: has three. Uh, three
1: more big-time throws than Daniel Jones does this season. Despite, you know, almost half the dropbacks. Now, now compare it to last season and it's yeah. it's only a few. He's short. the same uh he's the same as last season I think
0: Jones had what seven what does Tyrod have Seven? Oh yeah wow uh, Tyrod's yeah this is like 2015 Tyrod here
1: and he's also perhaps more importantly only got two
0: turnover worthy plays so far this season which is a tiny it, percentage and he's under pressure a lot and Tyrod has not been great at sack avoidance throughout yes. his career but compared to and, Daniel Jones this year he's been better yeah
1: and still isn't by the way like yeah. when you watch him play you're like we're, we're this is actually looking quite good. And
0: then, oh, that's a terrible sack to take. Like, what are you doing? So it's and, still a problem. And, and again, all that's led to 23 points. Yeah, it's over like. Over the last it's, two weeks.
1: It's not like it's fixed everything, but yeah. it is just incrementally better in several different areas.
0: All right, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Pittsburgh Steelers. we got Mark Brunel against Cordell Stewart here. Slash. How's that?
1: Love it. Like it's 1997. Slash, just another one of those Chicago Bears quarterbacks of the
0: 2000s. Yes, <laughs> he was. Bears legend, Cordell Stewart. Uh, Jaguars favored by two and a half against the four and two Steelers. Maybe a a playoff preview here, Sam. Mm. Five and two Jags against the four and two Steelers. Could well be. Um, So one of the
1: things that Pittsburgh did last week in particular, um, you know, we've been saying this whole thing this all season, right? It's like the the offense stinks, the scheme stinks, but every now and again you're just going to get the ball to George Pickens and he'll make a play because he's George Pickens. Yes. So one of the differences is – they've started kind of giving him the ball on more... They're not just doing it on the sideline, right? It's not just like, here's a go, here's a back shoulder, here's a comeback. They've actually started hitting him over the middle, which is that area that that offense doesn't target ever. Um, And suddenly, that's where you get all these yak plays from George Pickens. Like, he he is capable of making plays after the catch and generating some separation when you give him another place to turn, right? Part of the reason... George Pickens doesn't tend to separate that much on the outside is because teams know facing this offense, he's not going to break inside. So you're only defending, like, three routes. So it's a hell of a lot easier to shut down separation when you don't have to factor in, what if he turns inside and I'm screwed? You just, that's, that's off the table. I don't need to factor that in. So I'm only defending, like, a screen, a go, and a comeback. And that's it. So, and, and his run blocking. Yes. You never know, he's just going to pop you. Just pop you in the face. Yeah. yeah. But now they're actually running him on in-breaking routes, which I think, number one, gives you the possibility of catch-and-run opportunities and big plays that way. But number two, I think, also helps him with the other stuff because now as a corner, you have to factor in, what if this is an in-breaking route, not just an out-breaking route?
0: No, I like it. I mean, that, and, that's, and that's part of the reason why... Pickens looks a little faster, and because you know he's, Yak. There's a lot of talk this week about Yak and Yak against expectation, and you know ESPN's metrics and everything. Yak X. Yeah, there you go. Or X Yak. X Yak. X Yak.
1: Well, that's expected Yak. That's not Yak. When,
0: like, when you're catching back shoulders, the Yak expectation's zero, right? Pretty much or right. one, right? You're just you're there. That's not a run after the catch opportunity, and that's a lot of. uh That's been a lot of Pickens game. Or if you're just catching jump balls or whatever, you're not expected to pick up anything after the fact. But when you're playing in space, you're playing with two-way goes, you have more opportunities, and uh, Pickens has looked good in those situations. I think all that said, I mean, Pittsburgh should lean into that a little bit more as much as possible. Jags are... fat, So interesting difference here, using PFF grades all part of your PFF Plus package. The Jags have the number one coverage grade in the NFL right now. Did you know that? Number one. But they're only 29th in pass rush grade. Pass rush grade. So coverage is good, pass rush low. Steelers are the opposite. One of the best pass rushing grades, one of the lowest coverage grades. So it's kind of a good, it's a good balance here. Why Why are the Jags the way they are? It's Josh Allen and just not enough other consistency there. But they've done a really nice job Um, other than the Texans game in particular. The Jags have done a really nice job of limiting pretty good offenses, whether it was Buffalo, Kansas City, making life difficult. They contested every pass seemingly against the Saints. So as much as I was trashing the Saints' offense, how much of that's the Jags' defense, just making life difficult. And then the Steelers um, rushed the passer pretty well with with TJ Watt, with Alex Highsmith, and um, uh, Kendall Benton from the middle as a rookie disruptive interior pass rusher. But coverage unit for Pittsburgh's kind of been hit or miss, mm-hmm. so there will be plays. That's it. so the Jags have the ability to mitigate the pass rush because Trevor Lawrence gets rid of the ball quickly, Five, fifth fastest time to throw in the NFL, and um, there should be some some plays to be made for the Jags.
1: Josh Allen uh, was an absolute force going up against the subpar offensive tackle. He's probably facing Broderick Jones, the rookie who's been. You know, maybe better i mean better than dan moore jr but not exactly a massive upgrade when it comes to pass blocking uh is like where is that in the the kind of the the meridian line of
0: whether josh allen's gonna have a monster day or not um and on top of that well on the other side tj watt against anton harrison is that right yeah
1: still there the rookie um, who's got the who's tied for the lowest number of total pressures allowed by a rookie tackle this season? Him and Dewan Jones. Yeah.
0: Still has a fifty-sixth grade overall, though, and that's part of uh, Lawrence getting rid of the ball quickly, helping that offensive line. So some nice matchups in the trenches here. Um, at some point though, the underlying metrics for Pittsburgh have to catch up to them, right? <laughs> just the un- just the baseline of yeah although the if- pass game's not great yeah the defense still isn't even that great right. on paper
1: but if the if that element of hey we've discovered this cheat code we can actually throw the ball into the middle of the field you know this area inside the numbers between the hash marks even that's it's a whole area of the field there's there's generally not that many players there. We can throw it right in there. And our fast receiver, who's their best playmaker, can actually catch the ball and then add even more yards to the play. This is mind-blowing, right? If that is like an epiphany they've had, it kind of changes what the offense can do. <coughs> if, however, it was just one random-ass week where this happened a few times. No, they've done it throughout the season here. But that's, that's the, that was the biggest flaw in this offense, was like a, an insane reluctance to target the middle of the field to the detriment of everything else that was happening.
0: All right, two and a half, man. Can the Jags cover this on the road? Yes. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Jacksonville. It's just crazy to me. Like we might be looking at the Steelers being five and two. I don't think they're. I mean, they were the worst eleven and zero team in history a couple of years ago. <laughs> or you know, they'll be. Uh, the underlying metrics for them being a five and two team probably won't look good, but they've they've got this knack for closing. But I'll take the Jags to to cover this.
1: I need to read you a tweet. <laughs> right now? Well, yeah, we don't need to spend time doing, talking about it, but I, I feel like it's necessary to just get your head around this story for a second. Uh, report. The Panthers are working out former Giants linebacker Blake Martinez, per Tom Pelissero. Martinez briefly retired from the NFL to pursue trading Pokemon cards, but was permanently banned from doing so after he was accused of scamming people. It looks like he's making an NFL comeback. So he kind of quit linebacking because it turned out he had this very lucrative Pokemon trading company, which I imagine business is tough when you've been permanently banned from that business So now what do you do when that's happened? Well, I guess i got to go back to linebacking
0: again. Wow. Now we can continue. No, that was worth it. Yeah, see? That That was absolutely worth it. All right. Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Commanders. Eagles... Favored by six and a half here against Washington. Remember, these teams just played a few weeks ago. Went to overtime in Philadelphia. So, yeah, figure out the Commanders. Figure out the
1: Commanders. No, I don't, I don't think I can.
0: And the Commanders coming off a game. You know, if you talk about recency bias, the Eagles just shut down one of the best offenses of all time, the Miami Dolphins, on Sunday night football at home. Washington, in a road game, scored merely seven against a eh, Giants defense. Yeah. Six-and-a-half is the spread here, uh-huh. but it's in Washington.
1: Sam Howell in that game, three big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays, and six sacks. <laughs> it's like yeah. the most Sam
0: Howell game ever. Nicholas Morrow. I mean, it wasn't what you expected from the Eagles, too, who you know, tend to rely on their four-man rush. They had Nicholas Morrow, linebacker. With oh, I was scouts.
1: talking with the, the Giants game.
0: Oh, in the Giants game, yeah. yeah. Um, but in that first game, Howell was good. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a fir- uh, first-quarter drive that went about eight minutes, Mm-hmm. And Howell was picking them apart. Uh, he had fourth quarter comeback drive, and you know a lot of questions about whether Ron Rivera should have gone for two. Probably should have in hindsight, of course. But even with foresight, as an underdog, um, Howell made a lot of big plays in that game. And um, look, I know there's there's battles in Washington about whose fault it is and the sack totals. And we're not going to get into Sam Howell's sack totals for the sixth straight week, but it's an issue. He's a young quarterback who's shown a lot of promise but yeah he has to work better within the pocket i did think last week was a lot of the sacks were on the offensive line sometimes they didn't have answers but it's going to be a challenge again against a really good eagles defense um, to avoid those negative plays if you're washington Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i mean sort of lost in the whole conversation and nuance about sam Howell on the washington offensive line is like it's not a good group it's fine, and it's better than it looks because Sam Howell takes a gazillion sacks. But it's still like when you run up against the Eagles off our defensive line, it's probably going to lose. You know that it's at that kind of level.
0: Yeah, so I think that's a that's a fair assessment. The uh, last time around too, you had Emmanuel Forbes getting getting crushed by AJ Brown. Forbes since been benched. Um, Commanders defense been a little bit better since that point. Um, I guess the Eagles question, the, the stuff we were saying about the Bills, where the Bills should be one of the better teams and they're kind of sleepwalking through some games and a couple losses creep up. That's what the Eagles felt like for a while this year, like kind of sleepwalking, but they're winning, they're winning, and then they lose one to the Jets, but they played probably their best all-around game against the Dolphins last week. Was that a turning point for the Eagles to start playing a little more consistent like they did last year? When they looked like the best – for most of the season, they looked like the best all-around team in the NFL last year.
1: Yeah, you've also got Jalen Hurts, you know, banged up, dealing with injury. And as you said, it sort of feels like he's been dealing with that or dealing with injury all through the season, even if they've been different injuries. Um, that might be a factor. You know, I, It does – they don't tend to restrict him when he's injured. Like It's not like they change the game plan when he's yeah. in there carrying something. They're just like, well, he's playing, so he can still do what he does, and that's, that's a physically demanding style of play. They're going to make him throw his shoulder into defensive linemen, whether it's the tush-push, double-cheek-push thing, or whether it's just running in the open field, like they're going to expect him to lower his shoulder and truck a DB every now and again, even if he's got an injured shoulder. So... It's, it's interesting because it doesn't seem to change how they play him, but it does mean he's probably not going to play as well as he
0: normally does if he's injured. Um, one other thing to keep an eye on here, there were reports this week that teams had been calling Washington about Montez Sweat, the mm-hmm. edge defender. There was trade rumors around Chase Young, but I don't know if there was tangible you know, calls. Chase Young's playing really well. Uh, one of the league leaders in pressures – Uh, Great game last week against the Giants. So Chase Young playing well. Montez Sweat has been one of the more underrated edge defenders in the league over the last couple years. And Washington didn't pick up Chase Young's fifth year option. Montez Sweat is heading into you know he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And who knows if this ends up becoming you know do they sit a Montez Sweat so that they could trade him next week? Do they? If you're Ron Rivera, I don't think you care about the future. Like, you're kind of fighting for your job at this point and making sure that you finish strong. So just something to keep an eye on here. Washington's defensive line against Philadelphia's offensive line, always a great matchup, especially when all those guys are out there and healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm banking too much on last game that uh, was very competitive, but I think I like Washington to cover the 6.5. It's one of those big win for – the Eagles, disappointment for Washington. Maybe Washington's a little more competitive than the uh, than they should be on paper here. Six and a half. Yeah, I think I would lean Washington as well. It's the kind of, kind of type
1: of game in the division that rarely gets out of control.
0: We have agreed on the last six games or so. We've agreed a lot. In after Sweden. disagreeing on the first three. So we're on a six-game streak of agreement. Watch out. All right, we're on to the four o'clocks finally. No, we're not. It's a one o'clock still. <laughs> Dallas has got a 1 o'clock, yeah? Rams at at Cowboys here, 1 o'clock game. Uh, Dallas favored by 6.5 against the Rams. Cowboys coming off of their bye. Rams coming off of their disappointing loss against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Rams are always tough to figure out. But we can always lean on our will-their-pass-blocking-hold-up analysis. And this doesn't look like a good matchup.
1: Right. It's not like that's been perfect as a gauge throughout this season. Like, you wouldn't have necessarily expected it to hold up well against Pittsburgh, you know, and T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, et cetera. And it did hold up reasonably well. Um, Same against uh, Philadelphia. Like, you wouldn't have expected it to hold up that well. Again, it was not like it was great, but it didn't cripple the game. Dallas, however, I think is still probably the the toughest pass rush in the NFL. They don't have anybody that that can block Micah Parsons. Dallas has more than that it does feel like this should be the kind of pass rush that wrecks their game.
0: Uh, remember the Cowboys, last time we saw them was Monday Night Football against the Chargers. You know, that was, you know, Dak's best game. He was making a lot of plays outside of structure in that game. We saw the best probably from Brandon Cooks there. I mean, to me, I think the the gauge for Dallas is not, are they good? It's how good are they? Uh, they they beat up on bad teams. Can they compete with the best? I mean, it's amazing how quickly things change. Like, the last win that the 49ers had was that 42-10 to game against the Cowboys. The Niners have lost their last two, right? and now people are questioning them. But just two weeks ago, it's like, well, the Cowboys just got whooped by the best team in the NFC. Like, things change a lot. Um, so the same thing can happen with Dallas. They are capable of playing with the best teams, despite what we've seen against San Francisco. So um, got to take care of business against the Rams. Then they're playing the Eagles next week. Yeah by the way the eagles schedule just to go back to the washington game for a minute the eagles schedule after this is really tough cuz they got they have something like dallas, kansas city, buffalo and um the niners and dallas in like a 5 week stretch again so you know are the you know cowboys going to look ahead to the eagles game they got to take care of business against the rams and i think they should
1: yeah i mean the game plan against the Rams should be reasonably simple. Like their pass rush should dominate. They've got to find a way of, of shutting down Cooper Cup and Pukunakua. The pass rush should help with that. Um, and then just not get like Matthew Stafford's had a ton of insane throws. Having said that, they haven't tended to put that many points on the board. So it goes back to can you avoid Aaron Donald wrecking the game for you on the other side? And with their offensive line, the answer is probably. Rams just cut
0: former Cowboys kicker Brett Maher Maher Mm -hmm. Maher I never say his name right I think are they bringing in Mason Crosby officially it's the extent of my that's the extent of my special teams
1: the uh, the Dallas interior on the offensive line so now they're actually getting healthy Tyler Smith has given up two pressures all season I know uh Zach Martin has given up nine pressures all season that's a good offensive line it's a good interior and aaron donald you know is i don't know if he's gonna have that much success against them
0: yeah and every time aaron donald faces quentin nelson or uh, zach martin you got to highlight that as like here's here's some elite players going up against each other so that's awesome you know awesome matchup to watch there um the other thing is deron deron uh, bland got to move him around a little bit he's had to play on the outside more with the injuries for Dallas, but if he kicks inside or Jordan Lewis kicking inside, you're going to – that's your matchup with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua moving around a lot. Just keep an eye on that matchup as well. Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis against those those Rams receivers. Should be good. Um, I'm going to be giving a little more information on this. I can't remember how much I've told, but um, at the Combine last year, we were presenting to NFL teams a new – game athleticism score so a score based off of movement skills within a game based off of player tracking and the number one receiver at the time we've tweaked the model since then so he's not maybe number one but the number one receiver coming out last year in game athleticism do you know who it was i do because you do. told me before. of course i'm bringing it up again yeah. puka nakua so it looks like look at that we unlocked puka nakua <laughs> with that to go. um but yeah he was a 98 99th percentile in-game athlete and when you watched obviously he's been great but even like last week he looks even faster last week he was looking good when they got him in space so still wouldn't i
1: mean you wouldn't intuitively say watching his tape that like athleticism wouldn't be the first thing that leaps out of you if you're watching Nakua. no tape. that's the
0: that's the fun thing about the modeling part of it right is sometimes it Sometimes it matches what you see, and sometimes it doesn't, and it makes you rethink, and that's why you just you do the analysis on whether or not it matters.
1: Right, like you're watching Tyreek Hill. One of the first things you're going to be saying is crazy athleticism, speed, quickness, play, yada yada, right? Borderline that kind of stuff.
0: top 10 receiver.
1: <laughs> yes. That kind of stuff jumps off the tape. But Nakua, it's like, you know, he's strong, he's powerful, he's in the right place at the right time, he's consistent. And you wouldn't be saying, like, this is a special athlete we're watching here. Um, unless you
0: just watch his uh, contortionist work along the sideline, okay. that's all. Is that? That's not really baked in. Well, it's no. it's, it's basically movement, it's acceleration and change of direction. Yeah, so that kind of stuff. It doesn't look special for Puka, but yeah, yeah you, when you're when you're looking for it, you could kind of see it a little bit more. I'll, I'll take oh, by six and a half. I'll take Dallas to cover it. As, no, I'm going to take the Rams. Oh, I'm taking Dallas to uh, disagree with you because six and a half is a lot, but I think Dallas wins the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta Falcons at the Tennessee Titans. Arthur Smith against Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Little uh, throwback here. We got the Falcons favored by two and a half, and it looks like we're going to get Will Levis's NFL debut here. Yes, the Titans starting quarterback.
1: It sounds like there is going to be a combination of Levis and Malik Willis playing football this week. Nice. Uh, you know, we've basically not seen Will Levis in the NFL we've seen a little bit of Malik Willis in the NFL, and the idea that one couldn't beat out the other and that the one that we have seen doesn't really belong on a football field at the moment doesn't exactly fill you with optimism for what the offense will look like.
0: Yeah, it, I think no matter who the quarterback is, Malik Willis, he got sacked, what, four times on nine dropbacks or something the other day, when, or the last time he played, uh, before the Titans bye against the Ravens. Levis is going to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker than that, but yeah, he had his issues just in the preseason. Yeah, Um, we didn't get to see Will Levis in person, so we didn't get to overreact to an in person. When we went to Titans camp, he was hurt. Yeah, he was holding the clipboard. Didn't get to make an in person impression Mm -hmm. on us,
1: except the in person impression. uh, I mean, he was sleeveless the whole way, so you got an in person impression of the guns. Pretty jacked. Yeah, he's he's definitely strong. Now, that's usually a negative for quarterbacks. Usually a negative. Remember, that was people were like, Brady Quinn, he's too jacked.
0: Can't, yeah, it's not a full range of motion when you're that, like, you don't stacked. Be- yeah. The bicep muscle is not all that important in throwing. Mm. I am a throwing expert, as we know. <laughs> the And yet, people criticized your uh, the warm up methods that you were giving Deshaun I Watson. I didn't know. Maybe so, you yeah. got him injured again. We had, oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you did too much sleeper <laughs> stretch and. <laughs> Injured the uh, the he of the to, to
1: Palazzolo over here, telling him what to do, and I then can't went out believe there and
0: wrecked his shoulder again. I got to go to my PT because somebody called me out for suggesting the sleeper stretch. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm shocked by that. You're
1: sitting there with your dinosaur ass,
0: archaic methods. I'm shocked by that. that he said out. everything else was good. Yeah. Scapular stability and thoracic mobility and everything. You know, you, the, your methodology that went out in the late '90s. At least I know that the T spine work is still important. T-spine. Yeah. You got to, to take care of that T-spine. T-spine Always. mobile. Like, when my T-spine was more mobile, I felt like I threw harder. When I was, when I was really working on that stuff. That's important information to have. Anyway, this is why it takes so long. Falcons-Titans. Yeah. Falcons have the number one run defense grade in the NFL. Right. They so have like, the great David Onyemata, so, Calais so like Campbell. The,
1: the only hope that the Titans have in this game is, like, establishing a run game so the quarterback doesn't need to do much, and they're going up against a team that defends that as well as anybody. Yeah, This doesn't feel like a – I can't really see a
0: scenario where the Titans have a lot of offensive success. I think that is always the interesting thing to me is how teams craft a game plan around either a rookie quarterback or a backup quarterback. So you have Will Levis here on a team that already, even when they have Ryan Tannehill, their best games, Ryan Tannehill drops back 25 times. Now he'll hit 20 of them and be super efficient, and Tannehill at his best is very, very good. But what do you do with Will Levis? If you try to do that, you might be in a lot of third and this is Yeah,
1: so that's the thing. This is one of the areas where, you know, old-school mentality is is being shown up for being a problem, right? Like one of the ways that the original sort of old-school mentality, how do you protect a young quarterback? Well, you run the ball as much as humanly possible and don't ask him to do that much. So you're going to run on first and second down, Right. And if those runs don't go very far, now you're facing third and long and your plan to protect your quarterback is actually making his life more difficult because you've massively increased the difficulty of the most important down of the three, right? So instead of let's let him pass on first down where they may or may not be expecting it and he might have an easy completion, we're going to run, run not ask him to do it and then all the pressure is going to go on third down because now it's third and 7 and you need your quarterback to make a play. So and this is like even even some guys that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being on the bleeding edge of progressive football thinking are coming around to this idea of this isn't actually protecting your quarterback. I know you think you are, but yeah, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what you're trying to do here. So how do you protect Will Levis? It's not by going run run pass that would be the worst thing you can do for will levis um they need to figure out a way of getting levis some easy wins from the passing point of view early in the the
0: series it's great analysis can't add much to it except greater analysis don't forget tennessee's playing in nashville got it and desmond ritter's playing on the road (laughs) now i know last week desmond ritter Falcons won on the road mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay, but you got a couple things working against you. The Titans home dominance, but that was also with Tannehill and you know the Falcons road. You know Ritter struggles. Just pointing that out there. I have nothing else to add there other than yeah the the Falcons run defense against the Tennessee offensive line is is going to be something, and then Ritter has to stop dropping the football, yeah for the Falcons. uh, Particularly, like, over the goal line. And Arthur Smith was battling the media again (laughs) in a victory week. Yeah. Coming off a victory. Just fascinating stuff. All right, where are you going with this one? I kind of want – it's Atlanta favored by two and a half. Yeah, I'm going Atlanta. I think I want to take Atlanta. I just don't know if I trust Levis yet, but who knows? I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't trust Levis yet. You didn't love him coming out. No, I no, liked you him. You did. I liked, liked him more, more coming out. Why yeah. are you Why are you souring on him? You did like him. You were higher on Levis than the rest of us.
1: Yes, um, uh, I felt that. So they were reworking a lot of his stuff in preseason and and uh, training camp. Like they're not just sort of saying we We like this guy. He's good to go. They're like reworking his whole approach to things. Like one of his biggest problems was mechanically when was it throwing. To his left when he has to like turn across the body, his footwork and stuff goes out of whack. They were like clearly trying to fix that in training camp. So I'm immediately like, short term success and reworking a fundamental part of your mechanics don't yeah. tend to go together. Number two, when it's like if you can't beat out Malik Willis, you know, quite quickly, I think that's a bit of a red flag. Like, Malik Willis for However much I like the idea of him conceptually coming into the NFL, given his strengths, I mean, they took one look at him last year and were like, that guy cannot run the offense. Forget it. We're not we're going to bring in Josh Dobbs to run it on a week's notice. This year, it's kind of the same thing. It's like he can't run the offense still, and we're in year two of this thing. If you can't be obviously a better option than that, you're probably not ready to start in the NFL. So Will Levis may end up becoming good once they fixed his mechanics and once he's got a year – adjusting to the league and all that kind of stuff but i don't expect it going good
0: now we didn't mention earlier did, did you guys break down the kevin byard trade yeah this week all right so kevin byard so tennessee gone officially becomes sellers they trade kevin byard one of the best safeties in the league third most valuable safety in the league over the last few years philadelphia has him but Tennessee's in this selling mode and we'll see maybe they'll be selling a little bit more next for week. for sale sign on the shop window all right we got uh one two three five more games man God, we can do this in bro. 25 minutes. We got this. Cleveland Browns at the Seattle Seahawks. We're on to the 4 o'clock here. The Seahawks are favored by 3.5 against the 4-2 and two Browns, P.J. Walker.
1: Yeah. Um, and Deshaun Watson, P.J.
0: Yeah, P.J. Walker's getting the start again because uh, obviously Deshaun Watson did a little bit too much sleeper stretch, mm. ruined his arm again. <laughs> um, so we have P.J. Walker who you know, won his first start. And then last week, let led a fourth quarter comeback. Yeah. And uh, apparently, Jim Ursay came out and said, uh, the NFL told him, they blew it. So it's uh, put an asterisk next to it. Tyler's not here, but asterisk for the Browns. Mm. Win last week. But uh, P.J. Walker right now, the lowest graded quarterback in the NFL, which means he might be due for a 90 grade here because that's what he did last year. Remember, they, they played a game last year where he didn't complete a pass that beyond the line of scrimmage, like a literal game, where he couldn't complete a pass beyond the line of scrimmage, and two weeks later came back and was just six big time throws. So any time, you never know, could happen.
1: Yeah, could. I don't know that it will. Um, yeah, I mean the Deshaun Watson thing is kind of weird, but he appears to be hurt at the moment, genuinely. Genuinely, uh, PJ and a quarterback. I mean that's that's a difficult.
0: Yeah, thing. I mean I think. I think Watson probably wasn't 100%, went out there and played, took a couple hits, is even lower than whatever percentage he was at before. It's just... And it's like, all right, let's just make sure that we get healthy. I'm assuming that's yeah. what's happening. On right a
1: high-level thing, it's not a particularly unusual situation. Like, guy gets hurt, guy tries to come back a little bit early, guy gets hurt again, uh-oh, he's, it's worse. It's more how they frame the whole thing for every step of the process that's weird. Like, it's not the the just the basic fact step by step facts of how this thing worked fits in with a lot of injuries in the NFL it's more that they there's been this report constantly that he's been medically cleared and weeks ago and yada yada whereas actually he <laughs> has been properly injured and he hasn't been ready to go and he's not just it's not a pain thing only he's actually There's, like, weakness involved in the shoulder as well as pain. Like, he's hurt. He's injured. So he probably shouldn't have been out there at any point, and he never should have been cleared, whatever the hell that actually means, because he wasn't ready to go back in the game because he's injured. And now he's re-injured, and you just, you're stuck with this weird spot where we're like, what the hell is going on with this thing? Because all the reports have been saying he's been good to go for, like, a month. It's just, it's a strange, I don't understand how that part of it became such a relevant factor but anyway he's out and pj's in and that means the browns offense is
0: probably going to struggle against uh seattle defense that has i believe our number one graded corner right now in devin witherspoon
1: dude's awesome.
0: i know this because i was doing my weekly seattle radio hit and apparently that was like a front page news on one of the local newspapers that we have witherspoon is the number one corner um devin witherspoon is the guy that brings everybody together Nobody doesn't love Devin Witherspoon. Everybody loves him. Everybody. Loves everybody loves Devin Witherspoon. Well,
1: no, because he wasn't. It's not like he was the consensus number one corner.
0: But everybody loves watching him play. Everybody, you know, the same way Pete Carroll loves describing his his level of play and the way he hits and the way he anticipates and just a baller and a playmaker. And he's and he's showing it on the field so far. Um, it's It is intriguing though. Like you know, Tariq Woolen has just a sixty grade on the other side after having his impressive rookie season and we kind of tried to warn our own selves coming into the year that hey sometimes that stuff will fluctuate and maybe last year's grade was interception heavy and big play heavy no interceptions this year for Tariq Woolen but still but he's still a good player as well and that that makes it difficult going up against this Seattle secondary now the way with those different types of body types and the way Witherspoon in particular is playing
1: yeah i mean he's playing fantastically like he he is a great corner so far he was a great prospect and he he's one of those fun players that looks exactly the same in the nfl as he did in college doesn't always happen but when it does it seems so simple like this was always there how how was this not obvious to everybody that this guy was a star um it's just fun when you see that immediately translate and that's what he's doing he's still a big hitter he still plays with great anticipation he's got great sort of Uh, stop start acceleration movement skills he's just the
0: total package so far Um, so I think matchups to watch here you know of course the Browns pass rush has been dominant this year number one pass rush in the NFL we know that the the team centric metrics around the Browns are all outstanding despite whatever happened last week a couple big plays there I mean to me that's going to be the story of the game Uh, not to oversimplify but two weeks ago we said maybe there were some plays to be made against the Browns defense they weren't made last week There were plays to be made against the Browns' defense. They were made. They gave up a ton of points. But at the end of the day, Miles Garrett is still unstoppable, on pace to crush the best pass rush grade we've ever given for an edge defender. All of the guys that they signed to help him, Darius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson, they're playing well as well. And they should have success against the Seattle offensive line.
1: Yeah, big test. Seattle's
0: given up a lot of pressure, but not a massive sack rate for Geno Smith.
1: Right. Big test for those – offensive tackles for the Seahawks like number one they've been injured and haven't played all season so you're dealing with that but Charles Cross when he's been out there has played pretty well as a pass blocker he's only given up six hurries on 104 pass blocking snaps Abraham Lucas has played well but he's only played one game um like can those guys actually block Miles Garrett because nobody else has so far this season
0: all right man Seattle by three and a half against the Browns
1: uh, to this game. I'm going to go Seattle because I don't have a ton of confidence in P.J.
0: Never have, never will. I'm going to take Cleveland, buying into their pass rush, and P.J. Walker not being the lowest-graded quarterback in the NFL anymore. <laughs> the two lowest-graded quarterbacks above a Relatively decent sample size, though, are two, the Browns' two backups, P.J. Walker and DTR.
1: If you assume that he, your basic piece of logic here appears to be that P.J. should not be the Shouldn't lowest. Be, he
0: won't grade at 28 again.
1: He should not be the lowest-graded quarterback in the NFL over a period of time. Where should he be?
0: Like if he just puts up a 50 grade this week— they'll be competitive
1: but your point seems to be suggesting that like he's
0: no over he's time out, he might be the out one, yeah. of
1: place as the worst quarterback in the league at the moment because he had like two good games last year and it's in him there's when you go to the page you know the quarterback rankings page in pff premium stats 2.0 and you know you sort just quarterbacks and you don't put a filter on it and it's it's defaulted to just 50 you still need page two to get to pj's grade you need to go all the way to 54 to find pj and it's
0: 29.5, great. It's so 29.5. So I think he's better than that at okay. point. When you don't filter, the fifth worst quarterback in the NFL is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. On his two dropbacks his, where he took, a, took an unnecessary sack.
1: On his four snaps.
0: All right, let's go uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Arizona Cardinals. Ravens favored by eight and a half here against the one and six Cardinals. The one and six Cardinals. Marquise Brown revenge game. Hmm. Okay. Remember, they made that draft day trade. Yep. Ravens first rounder for uh, Cardinals give up a first rounder for Marquise Brown.
1: The Cardinals being a fascinating team. It's funny because they're like. Not anymore. They're not as Well, they are because they still. Every game, they still scrap and make it close and then still end up losing and not covering the spread. <laughs> it's like they somehow managed to get the moral victory without even successfully covering the double digit line that they're facing. But there's always, like, a, the second quarter, they're always like, nah, you thought you were going to run away with this, but we're going to peg it back and make you earn it. And then, then they get blown out.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it, the, the recency bias on this one is the Ravens just crushed the Lions 38-6. to six, Annihilated. And everything was working. Um, the difference in the, in the game last week, besides the fact that, hey, it was, it was the best offensive performance for the Ravens start to finish, to me the difference, though, was their red zone play. The previous two weeks, they got into the red zone in London against the Titans. They just didn't finish a ton. Um, Two weeks prior to that, it was the Steelers game where they kept dropping touchdowns and everything. Uh, Lamar has played extremely well this year, and when the rest of the team plays with Lamar, they're one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL, and that's what we saw last week. Multiple playmakers, the great Mark Andrews, the offensive line, and the best uh, scoring defense in the NFL – one of the best groups of linebackers, a Kyle Hamilton, and there's just a lot to like about this Ravens team. So watch them. I think they're just. I think they're going to play. If they play a decent game, they might be the team that finally starts crushing Arizona as well.
1: Lamar is now the highest graded quarterback in the NFL. He has a grade that is higher than his MVP season, unanimous MVP season. Um, he's averaging more yards per attempt than his unanimous MVP season. Really, the only thing lacking is instead of 37 touchdowns and eight picks, he's only got eight touchdowns through
0: whatever yeah. that is, seven weeks. He had a ridiculous touchdown rate that year. And the other, the only other thing holding him down this year, too, is the fumbles. Right? He kept putting the ball on the turf yeah. early in the season.
1: And he's also got – I mean, he has a higher big-time throw rate this season than that crazy MVP season like by pretty much any measure you're looking at Lamar Jackson is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL better than his MVP season he just isn't necessarily getting the box score rewards for that the way he did that year because you're at the mercy of other people sometimes right and we've made this point with several quarterbacks you need the help in order for everybody to recognize how well you're playing but like Right now, there's nobody playing better than Lamar Jackson at that position, and Arizona has to try and
0: stop that. Well, I think that's why I'm taking the Ravens. Do you have anything else on this game?
1: Uh, Zayvon Collins, this transition from genuine off-the-ball linebacker to pass rusher, which doesn't tend to work well in the NFL, it's not like it's been a uh, resounding success. But the last few weeks, I think Zayvon Collins is starting to look like he's putting it together a little bit on the edge.
0: Something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's all I have. Nice.
0: I appreciate that addition. Okay. I'll take the Ravens to cover the eight and a half. Yeah, same. Uh, we got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Chiefs favored by seven against Denver. They played two weeks ago. It's one of those uh, they're going to play twice in three weeks, Mm -hmm. division matchup. Remember, it was 19-8 to in Kansas City on that Thursday night game where Denver did play. Much better than they had in previous years. Yeah,
1: weeks. I mean, we were expecting, like everyone was expecting Kansas City to roll in there and put up a ton of points on them. Didn't this happen. is the week.
0: It'll happen this week. This week? Yeah. Uh, Travis Kelsey wide open, even in that game. He was uh, The last two weeks, Kelsey has been outstanding. But, you know, two weeks ago against Denver, he was open a ton. Last week against the Chargers, wide open in the middle of the field quite a bit. Him and Mahomes, maybe the chemistry is even better than ever. Um, I did make a prediction the last couple of weeks that Denver's defense had been so bad, right? Sometimes my, <laughs> you know, instead of, they're so bad, they'll continue it. I said, they're so bad, they'll be better. They've been better, this Denver defense, these yeah. last few weeks. Um, I still think, again, the the season numbers for Denver are telling enough that, you know, I think Kansas City puts up a ton of points. Because last time there was like a a fake field goal in there, there was – they pulled out every weird trick play that just didn't work yeah against denver in that last game and ended up with just 19 points
1: by far the best graded wide receiver for the chiefs this season now is rasheed rice yes who also has the most production of any of those chiefs wide receivers he's got like 100 yards almost more than anybody else he's got three touchdowns the next closest is one um he's become their number one wide receiver quietly uh obviously travis kelsey is their number one
0: receiver but from wideout point of view Rasheed Rice is now the guy and they spread the ball a ton right I mean there's you get a little bit of Sky Moore you're getting some Justin Watson before he got hurt like you, they try to spread the ball you get to Dick Kadarius Tony McCole Hardman's back I think you'll still see that but I think you're right I mean there'll be incrementally more targets going Rasheed Rice's way and I think that's probably smart
1: and they're moving him around as well like he's playing 60-40-ish slot to out wide but I mean that's that's as close to as even as you're likely to see. Um, they're basically
0: moving him all over the formation. He can play anywhere they need him to. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I, sometimes my my oversimplified mind says Kansas City's so good against zone coverage. The Mahomes Kelsey thing is so good. Do you just take your chances? Like Mahomes hit his first twenty plus yard deep pass the other day in weeks. His first touchdown on a twenty plus yard throws. So can Mahomes throw the ball deep? Absolutely. But I wonder if he's he's gotten so good at taking what's underneath that I, just, I wonder if you just start making him beat you over the top more and more. The challenge with man, though, is Mahomes is pristine as a scrambler, picks the right time. You need four or five guys, like, all doing their job perfectly to keep him in the pocket or not let him pick up first downs. I'm just curious when teams start to man up a little bit more and – not just make those receivers find soft spots in zones, but get open against man coverage. But
1: I do kind of think that that is still the deliberate game plan against Mahomes. Like part of the reason I think nobody stops this Mahomes to Kelsey connection is I don't know how hard they're trying. Like obviously you're not, you don't just want to get beaten the same play over and over and over and over again, which is what's happening. But I do think there's a there's a degree to which they are not consciously Like, let's bracket cover him out of the game, right? Let's put three guys on him. Let's do something like give him the Calvin Johnson treatment and make them go somewhere else with the ball because they will. And the way they go somewhere else with the ball will probably be a deep shot over the top because you're taking bodies out of the shell coverage to latch on to Travis Kelsey. I do think there's a degree to which teams are saying it's painful and it looks kind of dumb when we're doing this during a game and the broadcaster's like, ah, how can they not stop Kelsey? But like it's still theoretically a modest gain over and over and over again and eventually we might get a stop as opposed to, oh crap we put three guys on Kelsey and now Marquez Valdez-Scantling was one-on-one 60 yards downfield and we just gave up a bomb. Like, I, I think there's a degree to which teams are deliberately trying to get beat in short increments as opposed to you know one explosive play
0: on the other side uh russell wilson still you know 74.9 grade it's not bad um production wasn't necessarily there last week he was okay against kansas city couple bad you know at least one really bad interception there had another one not necessarily his fault like they need something special there denver trade watch you know jerry judy Cortland sutton we'll see if they end up getting moved this week with all those rumors but if Denver's going to pull the upset, they need the passing attack to work and work much better than it has the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all. Did I have one more thing to add? Oh, in Mahomes, has he uh, never lost – he still never lost a road division game, right? He's also never lost to Denver, right? Sounds about right. They, they, they You have to go back
1: to Peyton Manning for the last time a Denver team, Denver quarterback, beat. The chiefs
0: yeah and even you know, like peyton used to struggle with the chiefs a little bit too right but remember like peyton yeah. manning's
1: been retired for long enough that he's been in the hall of fame for more than a year like that's how long ago somebody from
0: denver beat the kansas city chiefs yeah i'll take the chiefs to cover the seven same at denver all right two more games chicago bears at the los angeles chargers this is your sunday night football game okay a couple two win teams here yeah bears and chargers
1: Different feels though for for the same record essentially.
0: Well, yeah, the Chargers are still favored by eight and a half. Yeah, over the Bears in Tyson. Tyson Beighton. Yeah, Beighton. Prime Primetime Beighton. Prime time. Prime Bajan. time. Bajan. How many Bajan. packages are Sunday
1: Night Football going to have about his arm wrestling dad? Is Chris going to have? Are we going to get like a more packages
0: than the points the Bears are going to? Are
1: spend we going to get a Chris arm wrestling? What's his dad's name? Somebody Beighton. Is that going to happen? Trevor, We're going to get like a little package. Chris arm wrestling. Chris
0: should do some arm wrestling. The Bagian. Or maybe Chris and, and Mike Tarico. Like double team. They should well I was going to say one on one Chris versus Tarico. Oh, arm okay. wrestling. No, I like two on one. Both of them against Bagian. You know someone like the Jack Jack Collinsworth has a history of like as a, you know, half reporter, you know, host and everything. He got in the trenches, Jack. Yeah. A couple of years back and he tried to experience Derrick Henry's I mean, stiff Chris arm. has got
1: like a long long sizzle reel that stuff he's shown True. us some of the old yeah, but stuff Chris
0: is Chris is the veteran now you know like he doesn't he doesn't have doesn't, to do that doesn't Jack, himself with that stuff Jack anymore. I'm sure on the pregame show will have something for us
1: okay I'm Jack just will look have arm somebody Bajan's dad. right somebody needs to be out there arm wrestling Tyson Bajan's dad that's all I'm saying if you're listening NBC people yeah if somebody hasn't done that during the week it's time to do it.
0: I and millions of Americans will be disappointed yes so that's going to be the big story In this game. Um, Chargers are 2-4, and and they've disappointed us once again. Doesn't
1: this kind of feel, though, that a game – like a game where Tyson Bajin can actually have some success?
0: I mean, the way he played last week, which was – I don't want to use conservative. but It is, though. It was was underneath. It was safe. And it was a whole bunch of just good decisions over and over against the Chargers team that allows those.
1: Right. At the moment, he is the sort of – he's – the prototypical game managing quarterback who gives off the indication or the feels or the vibes of somebody that absolutely isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he gives off this sort of wild maverick, you know, tattooed, long flow, like gunslinger type of uh, vibe, and yet his game is game manager. At we the had moment.
0: one game of evidence, though.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, game and a half. Yeah. Yes. But that's what he looks like at the moment. But against the Chargers' defense, which still isn't great that's actually not a bad
0: recipe, right? Yeah, just, that should work. That, that, that definitely has the potential to work.
1: And then it's just like, again, does game manager is only as good as his mistakes. Like how many times do you put the ball in harm's way and do you get punished for it? So we've seen so far, like Bajan comes in for fields immediately has that really bad uh, fumble thing. Um, but then last week didn't have any mistakes and consequently you get a much better version of the team and they actually end up uh, having a good performance. So if he doesn't make mistakes... I think they can move the
0: ball and have success against the Chargers. Um, rookie offensive tackle Darnell Wright is questionable. He looked like he was almost playing with one arm last week for the Bears. He'll have to block Khalil Mack. This is why, like, the when Khalil Mack had that six-sack game, you know, it, was that even real? You know, right. after, year, after weeks and weeks of, you know, not really producing and um, really kind of getting shut out, and then he has a six-sack game and, that's pretty much been it i mean the chargers there's just no consistency right now between their pass rush their coverage and it, and it really is a whole bunch of pretty good names who are either kind of playing hurt like a joey bosa or just don't like max overall grade is good it's just so condensed in a couple games yeah you're not getting that consistent play from this chargers defense which i will continue to say should be much better including yeah, number three who looked like a star for years and is now in the middle of the worst year of his career.
1: Right. I think Mack has definitely been better this year, but that one game with the six sacks is his only PFF pass rushing grade game this season over 71. So he's had pressure in a lot of other games, um, but he never really stopped generating pressure. I mean, even last year, he had 59 pressures. Like He's always sort of been a factor. It's just that he went from you know, league-leading level pressure and getting a ton of uh, big plays to now we're still getting pressure. It's just not the same level of impact. And then he had that one game against the Raiders, where he did. But outside of that, it's been back to, like, the more previous baseline of he'll get you some pressure, but he's probably not ruining your game. Um, But if the Raiders, or if the Bears, rather, have to go into the bench, that could be a factor.
0: And a quick little Justin Herbert breakdown here. He's now QB thirteen in our passing grades, Um, has the fifth-highest average depth of target, 9.2. That's about a yard and a half higher than what we saw last year, over two yards higher than what we saw last year. So completely different style. But it is now, official. right at the moment, the worst grade of his career. Passer rating's kind of in line with the rest of his career. So it's just an interesting dynamic. I do think the Chargers are still lacking a deep threat. Josh Palmer made some plays last week. But it's the Keenan Allen show. It still feels fragile. But um, against this Bears defense, I think the Chargers will have some success. Just interesting watching this Herbert progression where we've been asking for more aggressiveness. I think we're getting it. You get a few more turnover-worthy plays. But the big-time throw rate's still not special or anything like you're still not getting i mean he's missing a lot of throws and he's he's missing some easy stuff for sure
1: he's missed touchdowns in each of the last two games let alone just sort of big plays um he's currently the 13th ranked quarterback in the nfl by pff grade 12th if you take out andy dalton's one performance so his some of the underlying numbers that you would have assumed would lead to a much better version of justin herbert and more production and all those kinds of things have changed have moved where we wanted to put them but his performance hasn't matched them. Like he's playing worse, despite the, I guess stylistically moving in the right direction. So is that
0: cause and effect, or is that just coincidence? Like they need they need Quentin Johnston. They need other guys to step up. I mean, I I, I think the under, the stats aren't as good because it is the Keenan Allen only show as far as consistency goes. As impressed as I was by Josh Palmer last week. Yeah,
1: but that's not. I mean, maybe. you already
0: have people saying. By the way, the Chargers dra- drafted Quinton Johnston just ahead of Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. You're already getting that discussion yeah.
1: going. Yeah, that's have fight. I mean, I wouldn't have drafted him. Certainly not ahead of. Uh, Did you give them
0: Addison all the time?
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It was a common mock that I gave. Just curious. Cool.
0: Eight and a half Chargers favorite at home against the Bears. Where are you going? Like the Chargers covering eight and a half to so the Chargers, that's tough. That's a challenge, man. Yeah, I'm going
1: Bears. Get behind Bajin time, baby. Bajin on Sunday, prime time Bajin with his
0: arm wrestling dad out there crushing people. Even as a former preseason Division II all-American, I can't get on board with Division II Bajin. You can't. No, I'm not doing it. Huh? Take the Chargers. Wow. I should stick with my my D two brethren. Mm. Right. Yeah. I should. D2 people got to stick together. We should. There's only a few of us. Right. In football. Mm hmm.
1: Just you and Tyson.
0: All right. I'll take Chicago. You're right. You're right. For D2. This is for Division two. everyone. <laughs> for D2. That's what we're doing. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions. The Lions are favored by eight and a half. They're coming off that thrashing last week, 38 to 6 against the Ravens. And the Raiders coming off of a thrashing of their own against the Bears. Thrashing yes who's
1: QB for the Raiders damn good thrashing uh, I mean don't make it be Hoyer again I just don't want to see it I don't we don't need to see Brian Hoyer in any more football games and I mean I don't mean for the up. Raiders I mean forever I disagree
0: with Greg that you know he needs a few more reps <laughs> in this development.
1: I just mean I don't feel like the world suffers if Brian Hoyer never steps foot on an NFL field again wow am I wrong
0: Wow. Do we need to see that? Is there not always a better option than Ryan Hoyer? This is like the uh, Twitter slash X equivalent of just delete your account. <laughs> just you can turn still, in your NFLPA membership, Brian. By
1: all means, keep cashing the paycheck, right? And and eat the meals at the facility You're and have fun. For his job. And have fun in the meeting room. Just don't come on TV on the field and make me watch it. Aiden O'Connell is there, right? He's got a funny mustache, and he's, he's just out here slinging the ball around. That's comedy value, if nothing else. I want to see that more. And, you know, you might have something in Aiden O'Connell going forward. You don't have anything in Brian Hoyer.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Good. You're kind of right there. Uh, don't forget the splits that the Lions have at home. Jared Goff. Well, he's MVP, like yeah. outside of the Ravens game, basically. <laughs> we we both took the Lions last week because uh, they were good on the road two weeks ago against Tampa Bay. And, you know, they had played much better, but last week was a mess. Um, Detroit's a much better team, though. That's why they're favored by eight and a half here.
1: Right. And it's a big, you know, the, OK,
0: getting blown out like that
1: was bad. But we've been talking a lot about the Lions they are supposedly contenders this year. And at the very minimum, they're division favorites. They're likely a playoff team, barring catastrophe. And a lot of this has been about how do you shift the mentality in the building from, you know, an underdog team that can shock some people to, no, you're the favorites every week. And you have a target on your back, and you need to embrace that, rise to the challenge, and win games that you're supposed to win. Like, that's part of being a really good team. And they've done that really well, right up until that Baltimore game. In <laughs> the Baltimore game, they get wrecked. And okay, that happens to even very good teams. You know, every, almost every team, all bar two, in fact, in NFL history, have had at least one game on their schedule where they lose it, right? And part of that is well, how do you then bounce back from that game that wasn't supposed to happen, right? You were not supposed to get just stomped by the, the Ravens, but it happened. It's one of those tapes you probably don't even watch that much because everything went wrong let's just throw it out and move on but now you got to actually show that you can bounce back and that was just an aberration not oh dear, we're not as good as we thought we were so you know how do this and this is a team to do it against right like you're yeah. supposed to destroy the Raiders.
0: It, and part of the reason why we started buying into the Lions is because they were doing that, right? They, yeah. they took it to Carolina. And but they, now they've had a setback. They beat up on the Bucks. They've had a bit of a setback. I think they'll bounce back well here. Uh, one of the best matchups maybe in the NFL this entire season, Max Crosby against Sewell. Ooh. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Hashtag fun to watch. Um, is there a chance Jimmy Garoppolo can come back here? Uh, like, if he comes back, the Raiders are, like, they were playing before the Bears game. The Raiders had played sneaky well, right? <clears throat> um, so they, were, they were three and three. Now they're three and four. And again, I think they have enough pieces on offense to to compete when they have, you know, someone at quarterback who's you know not turning it over and at least able to distribute, like Garoppolo can. Mm-hmm. So if Garoppolo plays, I think it's competitive. We can do some wit and without. I mean, if it's right. Hoyer or O'Connell, I think the Lions will crush. The yeah
1: it's not a lot of information on the Jimmy G situation Does except Walt, that it's, Walt's
0: a Raiders fan do you have any information yeah
1: except that it's not sounded like he's you know doesn't
0: sound like they're rushing him straight back in there Walt just yelled no Steve I don't know what that was about okay what did I do
1: I don't know but you know
0: I'm taking the I'm taking the Lions
1: just name a better rivalry you and Walt me and Walt uh, Lions. Eight the man's and a man's up in the algorithm with his. I am also spewing takes. Taking the Detroit Lions, I am banking on them to bounce back, and if they Our don't, records I might be look similar
0: this week. All right, man. That's it. Done. Great Thursday. We got football tonight. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to see Liz tonight. Oh, get the get the hair trimmed up a little bit. Get the get the color. And just just the trim. Come on. We don't talk about that. Oh, it, it might look darker on Monday when there was when it when.
1: The listeners that were giving us our clips to su- no, to I, submit I the, yeah. to submit for the awards, you know, they they some of them gave us the YouTube link and where to click, and there was one in particular where I clicked on it, and you were like very gray.
0: <laughs> oh, I was gonna say the opposite. They no. Was- there was
1: one there was the other cuz
0: I think that's why it stood there out. It was one they sent, which was like the day after I had my hair done. So I think, I think that's
1: why it stood out because the next one must have been like just before you'd got it done, right? Yeah. And I went from wow, he's got like, you know, that's he's as, as as dark as the night, right? And then the next day it's like, dude, he's gray. Like he's an old man at this point. And it was it was quite impressive the difference. Is it that obvious? I mean, it, when it's
0: put in A-B analysis like that, it was very yeah. obvious. Well, if you look at this show and then Monday show, things might look different. Hmm. A little bit different. Just a little bit. Okay. I think you need to embrace it. You need to go... At some point, I will. I'm just not, just not there not yet. Not ready. Yeah. Is like this at some a, point, we'll this let it Is go. a
1: psychological thing? No. Because I've... I People mean, don't
0: know. We can't talk about this stuff. People don't know. That. Nobody else was noticing. See, I've talked you before. You can't bring attention to this. Look, it I this just want
1: to go. No, no, no. This is this is uh, therapy here, right? Like we're in the same boat here. We're both old as hell. There are no NFL players currently playing older than we are. Jason Peters, if he gets on the field, we'll make it one. Yeah, but we're as old him? as it gets right now, right? And I've said before on this show that, like, as a man who's lost his hair, I can accept that, right? It's not fun. And I feel somewhat cheated given that none of the other members of my family are bald. It's just me. Uh, but I can accept it. This is part of growing old. It happens to some people and it sucks. And now you have to have the shaved head for the rest of your life. This is just the reality we live in. But what really gets me is I've started to detect the odd gray hair in the beard and actually elsewhere, like a gray chest hair and stuff, right? And as much as I can sort of mentally get around, like you get old, your hair goes Celevi. There's something about graying hair, though, where in my brain, it's like follicles are dying. Like, they're just, they're just tapping out. They're just going, no, we've reached death. Like, we don't need this. The hair has now lost the ability to maintain pigment. I'm just, like, slowly dying one cell at a time. That's starting to get me a little bit. So if that's what's bugging you, you know? the sort of realization of your own mortality as evidenced by your graying hair. I get it. I have experienced similar things.
0: I just I just want it to look a little better.
1: <laughs> Don't you think, though, that those I'm people not... that go full gray are kind of cool looking? Like George Clooney, that was his whole shtick.
0: Yeah, it just it needs to happen in like six, eight, ten years for me. They want to wait a little bit.
1: You think? Yeah. Clooney was going gray when he was... we'll see we'll see
0: er Clooney was graying i love i mean you're you just went on like a a great spiel about your midlife crisis and everything i'm like i just
1: just want a little if only i had the money to do a proper less color do a proper midlife crisis you know go get a ferrari and stuff Yeah. yeah yeah
0: do it properly all right we're out of here um you'll be here tomorrow recapping whatever tonight's game bills bucks tonight you'll be here tomorrow yeah great every day outstanding And then I'll be back on Monday. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Enjoy the football. Be back again on Monday, reviewing all the weekend, week eight, NFL action.